election and new Can you hear that? Try to stay in office. Results and block the transfer of power. In the end, he summoned a mob to Washington and knowingly they were armed and angry, pointed them to the Capitol and told them to fight like hell. There's no doubt about this. This afternoon, my colleagues will present our key findings, reminding you of some of the information we presented in earlier hearings and telling you how it fits in our broader conclusions. Those conclusions have helped shape the committee's final report, which we'll adopt today pursuant to House Resolution 503 which establishes the select committee nearly a year and a half ago. I expect our final work will be filed with the clerk of the house and made public later this week. Beyond that release, the select committee intends to make public the bulk of its non-sensitive records before the end of the year. These transcripts and documents will allow the American people to see for themselves the body of evidence we've gathered and continue to explore the information that has led us to our conclusions. This committee is nearing the end of its work, but as the country, we remain in strange and uncharted waters. We've never had a president of the United States stir up a violent attempt to block the transfer of power. I believe nearly two years later, this is still a time of reflection and reckoning. If we are to survive as a nation of laws and democracy, this can never happen again. How do we stop it? This committee will lay out a number of recommendations in this final report, but beyond any specific details and recommendations we present, there's one factor I believe is most important in preventing another January 6th accountability. So today, beyond our findings, we will also show that evidence we've gathered points to further action beyond the power of this committee or the Congress to help ensure accountability under law. Accountability that can only be found in the criminal justice system. We have every confidence that the work of this committee will help provide a roadmap to justice and that the agencies and institutions responsible for ensuring justice under the law will use the information we've provided to aid in their work. And for those of you who have followed this committee's work, I hope we've helped make clear that there's a broader kind of accountability. Accountability to all of you, the American people, the future of our democracy rests in your hands. It's up to the people of this country to decide who deserves the public trust, who will put fidelity to the Constitution and democracy above all else, who will abide by the rule of law, no matter the outcome. I'm grateful to the millions of you who followed this committee's work. I hope we lived up to our commitment to present the facts and let the facts speak for themselves. Let me say in closing, the women and men seated around me on this dais are public servants in the most genuine sense. They put aside politics and partisanship to ensure the success of this committee 
in providing answers to the American people. I especially want to thank and acknowledge our vice chair, who has become a true partner in this bipartisan effort, Ms. Cheney of Wyoming. And I also recognize her for any opening statement that she cared to offer. Thank you very much, Mr. Chairman, and thank you for your, your tremendous leadership of this committee. I know we all have benefited greatly from, from your wisdom and your wise counsel, so thank you very much. In April of 1861, when Abraham Lincoln issued the first call for volunteers for the Union Army, my great-great-grandfather, Samuel Fletcher Cheney, joined the 21st Ohio Volunteer Infantry. He fought through all four years of the Civil War, from Chickamauga to Stones River to Atlanta. He marched with his unit in the Grand Review of Troops at Pennsylvania Avenue in May of 1865, past a reviewing stand where President Johnson and General Grant were seated. Silas Canfield, the regimental historian of the 21st Ohio Volunteer Infantry, described the men in the unit this way. He said they had a just appreciation of the value and advantage of free government and the necessity of defending and maintaining it. And they enlisted, prepared to accept all the necessary labors, fatigues, exposures, dangers, and even death for the unity of our nation and the perpetuity of our institutions. I have found myself thinking often, especially since January 6th, of my great-great-grandfather and all those in every generation who have sacrificed so much for the unity of our nation and the perpetuity of our institutions. At the heart of our republic is the guarantee of the peaceful transfer of power. Members of Congress are reminded of this every day as we pass through the Capitol Rotunda. There, eight magnificent paintings detail the earliest days of our republic. One, painted by John Trumbull, depicts the moment in 1793 when George Washington resigned his commission, handing control of the Continental Army back to Congress. Trumbull called this, quote, one of the highest moral lessons ever given the world. With this noble act, George Washington established the indispensable example of the peaceful transfer of power in our nation. Standing on the west front of the Capitol in 1981, President Ronald Reagan described it this way. The orderly transfer of authority as called for in the Constitution routinely takes place, as it has for almost two centuries, and few of us stop to think how unique we really are. In the eyes of many in the world, this every four-year ceremony that we accept as normal is nothing less than a miracle. Every president in our history has defended this orderly transfer of authority, except one. January 6th, 2021 was the first time one American president refused his constitutional duty to transfer power peacefully to the next. In our work over the last 18 months, the Select Committee has recognized our obligation to do everything we can to ensure this never happens again. At the beginning of our investigation, we understood that tens of millions of Americans had been persuaded by President Trump that the 2020 election was stolen by overwhelming fraud. 
And we also knew this was flatly false. We knew that dozens of state and federal judges had addressed and resolved all manner of allegations about the election. Our legal system functioned as it should, but our president would not accept the outcome. Among the most shameful of this committee's findings was that President Trump sat in the dining room off the Oval Office watching the violent riot at the Capitol on television. For hours, he would not issue a public statement instructing his supporters to disperse and leave the Capitol, despite urgent pleas from his White House staff and dozens of others to do so. Members of his family, his White House lawyers, virtually all those around him knew that this simple act was critical. For hours, he would not do it. During this time, law enforcement agents were attacked and seriously injured. The Capitol was invaded, the electoral count was halted, and the lives of those in the Capitol were put at risk. In addition to being unlawful as described in our report, this was an utter moral failure and a clear dereliction of duty. Evidence of this can be seen in the testimony of President Trump's own White House counsel and several other White House witnesses. No man who would behave that way at that moment in time can ever serve in any position of authority in our nation again. He is unfit for any office. The committee recognizes that our work has only begun. It's only the initial step in addressing President Trump's effort to remain in office illegally. Prosecutors are considering the implications of the conduct that we describe in our report as our citizens all across our nation. In 1761, John Adams wrote, the very ground of our liberties is the freedom of elections. Faith in our elections and the rule of law is paramount to our republic. Election deniers, those who refuse to accept lawful election results, purposely attack the rule of law and the foundation of our country. The history of our time will show that the bravery of a handful of Americans doing their duty saved us from an even more grave constitutional crisis. Elected officials, election workers, and public servants stood against Donald Trump's corrupt pressure. Many of our committee's witnesses showed selfless patriotism, and their words and courage will be remembered. The brave men and women of the Capitol Police, the Metropolitan Police, and all the other law enforcement officers who fought to defend us that day saved lives and our democracy. Finally, I wish to thank my colleagues on this committee. It has been a tremendous honor to serve with all of you. We have accomplished great and important things together, and I hope we have set an example. And I also want to thank all of those who have honorably contributed to the work of our committee and to our report. We have accomplished much over a short period of time. Many of you sacrificed for the good of our nation. You have helped make history, and I hope helped to right the ship. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I yield back. Gentlelady yields back. As you know, this is our final meeting of our committee. Over the course of the last year and a half, we presented evidence in 10 public hearings, 
testimony from our brave law enforcement officers, senior White House, and campaign officials, and many others. Today, we are prepared to share our found findings with you. But before we do so, it's important to remember what we've learned and critically exactly what happened at the United States Capitol on January 6th. Without objection, I include in the record a video presentation of some of the key evidence our investigation has uncovered. There were officers on the ground. They were bleeding. They were throwing up. I mean, I saw friends with blood all over their faces. I was slipping in people's blood. As I was swarmed by a violent mob, they ripped off my badge. They grabbed and stripped me of my radio. They seized ammunition that was secured to my body. They began to beat me with their fists and with what felt like hard metal objects.
Do you know how it feels to have President of the United States to target you? The President of the United States is supposed to represent every American, not to target one. I made it clear I did not agree with the idea of saying the election was stolen and putting out this stuff, which I told the president was bullshit. He wanted to talk about that he thought the uh, the election had been stolen or, or was corrupt and that there was widespread fraud. And I had told him that uh, our reviews had not shown that to be the case. And I said something to the effect of, however, we've done dozens of investigations, hundreds of interviews, and make sure allegations are not by the evidence. My first thought was, this is a, a terrible idea. Jeff Farr cannot be a secretary general of the United States. You told us that you described this meeting that George attempting murder suicide. Yes. Your impression that the vice president had directly his position on these issues to the president, not just to the world through a dear colleague letter, directly to President Trump. Many times. And I said, hold on a second, I want to understand what you're saying. You're saying that you believe the vice president acting as president of the Senate be the sole decision maker as to, under your theory, who becomes the next president of the United States? And he said, yes. I said, are you out of your effing mind? The president is, you know, all the attention was on what Mike would do and what Mike wouldn't do. There's a telephone conversation between the president and the vice president, is that correct? Yes. The conversation was, was pretty heated. Apologize for being impolite, but do you remember what she said? Her father called him the P word. It was clear that it was misleading us. So then when the tweet, the Mike Pence tweet was sent out, I remember us saying it was the last time it needed to be tweeted at that moment. It felt like he was pouring gasoline on the fire. They are on the second floor, moving in now. We may want to consider leaving now. Bobby? Remember when you mentioned Pico was a friend of the security of the night? We were called to approximately 40 feet. That's all there was. 40 feet between the vice president and the mob. Donald Trump and his allies and supporters are a clear and present danger to American democracy. We got derogatory information from OSA suggesting that uh, some very, very violent individuals were organizing uh, to come to D.C. As Mr. Giuliani and I were walking to his vehicles that evening, he looked at me and said something to the effect of, Pastor, are you excited for the six? It's going to be a great day. 
I remember looking at him and saying, Rudy, do you explain what's what's happening on the six? He, he had responded something to the effect of, we're going to the Capitol. It's going to be great. The president's going to be there. He's going to look powerful. He personally asked for us to come to D.C. that well, basically, uh, you know, the president, you know, got everybody riled up, told everybody head on down. So we basically just following what he said. Within 15 minutes of leaving the stage, President Trump knew that the Capitol was besieged and under attack. So are you aware of any phone call by the President of the United States to the Secretary of Defense that day? Are you aware of any phone call by the President of the United States to the Attorney General of the United States that day? No. Are you aware of any phone call by the President of the United States to the Secretary of Homeland Security that day? Saying something to the effect of, Mark, need to do something more. They're literally calling the vice president to be adding home. And Mark had responded something to the effect of, You heard it, Pat. He thinks Mike deserves it. He doesn't think they're doing anything wrong. Good, John. Now I'm going to give you the best free legal advice you're ever getting in your life. Get a great effing criminal defense lawyer. You're going to need it. General Flynn, do you believe in the peaceful transition of power in the United States of America? I just want to say 
Congress has certified the results without saying the election's over, okay? The chair now recognizes the gentlewoman from California, Ms. Lofgren, for an opening statement. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Over the last 18 months, the Select Committee has conducted a congressional investigation of enormous scale, seeking to uncover the depth and breadth of ex-President Trump's multi-part plan to reverse the lawful outcome of the 2020 presidential election. We've compiled an immense volume of documents collected from countless individuals, law enforcement agencies, and federal and state authorities. Many of our efforts to get the evidence required litigation in federal court, including the U.S. Supreme Court. We've taken the testimony of hundreds of witnesses. And while we couldn't show them all during the hearings, we focused on those who were most, most central, including our ex-president's White House aides, his senior Department of Justice officials, and senior members of his campaign. Based on this assembled evidence, the Select Committee has reached a series of specific findings. Now, many of these findings pertain to what has been called the big lie, the enormous effort led by ex-President Trump to spread baseless accusations and misinformation in an attempt to falsely convince tens of millions of Americans that the election had been stolen from him. Beginning even before the election, and continuing through January 6th and thereafter, Donald Trump purposely disseminated false allegations of fraud in order to aid his effort to overturn the 2020 election. Ex-President Trump's decision to declare victory falsely on election night wasn't a spontaneous decision. It was premeditated. The committee has evidence that ex-President Trump planned to declare victory and unlawfully to call for the vote counting to stop, and that he told numerous allies about his intent in the weeks before the election. The committee found that Mr. Trump raised hundreds of millions of dollars with false representations made to his online donors. The proceeds from his fundraising, we have learned, have been used in ways that we believe are concerning. In particular, the committee has learned that some of those funds were used to hire lawyers. We've also obtained evidence of efforts to provide or offer employment to witnesses. For example, one lawyer told a witness, the witness could, in certain circumstances, tell the committee that she didn't recall facts when she actually did recall them. That lawyer also did not disclose who was paying for the lawyer's representation despite questions from the clients seeking that information. He told her, quote, we're not telling people where funding is coming from right now. We've learned that a client was offered potential employment that would make her, quote, financially very comfortable as the date of her testimony approached by uh, entities that were apparently linked to Donald Trump and his associates. These offers were withdrawn or didn't materialize as reports of the content of her testimony circulated. The witness believed this was an effort to affect her testimony, and we are concerned that these efforts may have been a strategy to prevent the committee from finding the truth. Throughout the post-election period, ex-President Trump was told repeatedly by his campaign advisors, 
government officials, and others. There was no evidence to support his claims of election fraud. Even since our last hearing, the Select Committee has obtained testimony from new witnesses who've come forward to tell us about their conversations with ex-President Trump on this topic. Here is one of his senior advisors, Hope Hicks. Being evidence of fraud on a scale that would have impacted the outcome of the election. And I was becoming increasingly concerned that we were damaging, um, we were damaging his legacy. He said something along the lines of, you know, nobody will care about my legacy if I lose. Um, so that won't matter. The only thing that matters is, is winning. Despite all that, he continued to purposely and maliciously make false claims, sometimes within a day of being told that a particular claim was false and unsupported by the evidence. By the time the Electoral College met, cast his votes on December 14, 2020, a number of President Trump's senior staff, cabinet officials, and members of his family were urging him to facilitate a peaceful transition to the incoming administration. He disregarded their advice, and he continued to claim publicly that the election had been stolen from him. Numerous state and federal courts evaluated and rejected the Trump campaign's claims of voter fraud, including 11 judges appointed by ex-President Trump himself. Many of these courts issued scathing opinions, criticizing the lack of evidence that ex-President Trump and his allies had advanced to support their claims. Numerous individuals associated with these efforts have since acknowledged that they were unable to find sufficient evidence of fraud to affect the election results including in testimony to this select committee. Still, ex-President Trump repeated those false claims and tried to convince his supporters the election was stolen. This was an attempt to justify overturning the lawful election results. Donald Trump knowingly and corruptly repeated election fraud lies, which incited his supporters to violence on January 6th. He continues to repeat his meritless claim that the election was stolen even today and continues to erode our most cherished and shared belief in free and fair elections. Mr. Chairman, I yield back. Gentlewoman yields back. The chair recognizes the gentleman from California, Mr. Schiff, for an opening statement. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Building on his constant repetition of the big lie, President Trump engaged in an unprecedented effort to obstruct the joint session on January 6th, the proceeding where his electoral loss would be certified by Congress. This effort began in part in the states, which hold, count, and ultimately determine the winners of presidential elections. Many state officials were targeted by President Trump and his campaign. The local election workers he accused baselessly of election fraud the state officials he pressured to stop the count or to find votes that didn't exist, and the state legislative officials he urged to disregard the popular will of the voters and their oath of office in order to name him the winner instead. Here are the select committee findings 
about President Trump's state pressure campaign. President Trump and his enablers repeatedly pressured state officials to take action to overturn the results of the election. The most dramatic example of this campaign of coercion was the president's January 2nd, 2021 call to Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger, in which the president urged the secretary to find 11,780 votes he needed to change the outcome in that state. During that call, President Trump again repeated conspiracy theories about the election that his own appointees at the Department of Justice had already debunked. Trump also made what Secretary Raffensperger apparently considered a threat, accurately considered a threat, suggesting that Raffensperger and his attorney, that they could be subject to criminal prosecution if they didn't follow through with his demands. Then, in repeated telephone calls and in-person meetings, Donald Trump pressured state elections officials and state legislators to alter official election results. But courageous public servants, including Republicans like Rusty Bowers, held firm and refused to put Donald Trump over their oath to the Constitution. When Donald Trump's pressure campaign did not achieve the results he wanted, he oversaw an effort to obtain and transmit false electoral college ballots to Congress and the National Archives. The false ballots were created by fake Republican electors on December 14th. At the same time, the actual certified electors in those states were meeting to cast their votes for President Biden. By that point in time, election-related litigation was over in all or nearly all of these states. And Trump campaign election lawyers realized that the fake slates were unjustifiable on any grounds and may be unlawful. In spite of these concerns and the concerns of individuals in the White House Counsel's Office, President Trump and others proceeded with this plan. The Select Committee has developed evidence that these intentionally false documents were transmitted to multiple officers of the federal government and were intended to interfere with the proper conduct of the joint session where the existence of so-called competing slates of electors would serve as a pretext for legitimate electoral votes to be rejected. President Trump repeatedly attacked state and local officials who refused to do his bidding, as well as local elections workers who he baselessly accused of fraud. As Ruby Freeman and the testimony of other elections officials so powerfully demonstrated, People who drew President Trump's ire or were the subject of his lies faced real-world consequences, including public harassment and death threats. Some of these elections workers and officials have been forced to leave their homes. Others have been forced to leave the jobs they loved. Take a listen to Ms. Freeman's story. Now I won't even introduce my self by my name anymore. I get nervous when I bump into someone I know in the grocery store who says my name. I'm worried about who's listening. I get nervous when I have to give my name for food orders. I'm always concerned of who's around me. I've lost my name and I've lost my reputation. The treatment of Ms. Freeman and her daughter Shay Moss and so many others around the country was callous, inhuman, inexcusable, and dangerous. 
and those responsible should be held accountable. Mr. Chairman, I yield back. The gentleman yields back. The chair recognizes a gentleman from Illinois, Mr. Kinsinger, for an opening statement. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, certainly one of the many important components of our federal government is the Department of Justice. It's the body that it's responsible for enforcing our laws and investigating criminal wrongdoing. For this reason, it's of the utmost importance that our Department of Justice operates as a fair and neutral body that enforces our federal laws without fear or without favor. It is this critical function that President Trump sought to corrupt. As he sought to use the Department of Justice to investigate and prosecute purported election fraud and to help him convince the public that the election was stolen. The Select Committee has made the following findings with respect to the Department of Justice. In the weeks immediately following the 2020 election, Attorney General Bill Barr advised President Trump that the Department of Justice had not seen any evidence to support Trump's theory that the election was stolen by fraud. No evidence. Over the course of the three meetings in this post-election period, Attorney General Barr assured President Trump that the Justice Department was properly investigating claims of election fraud. He debunked numerous election fraud claims, many of which the president would then go on to repeat publicly. And he made clear that President Trump was doing, quote, a great, great disservice to the country by pursuing them. After Attorney General Barr's resignation, President Trump requested that the acting leadership of the department, Jeffrey Rosen and Richard Donahue, quote, just say the election was corrupt and leave the rest to me and the Republican congressman. In other words, just tell a small lie to put the facade of legitimacy on this lie, and the Republican congressman and I can distort and destroy and create doubt all ourselves. Between December 23rd and January 3rd, President Trump called or met with him nearly every day. He was told repeatedly the department investigation showed no factual support for Trump's fraud allegations. Mr. Rosen and Mr. Donahue told him that the fraud claims were simply untrue. As Mr. Rosen and Mr. Donahue continued to resist, President Trump then tried to install a loyalist named Jeffrey Clark to lead the department as acting attorney general. On several occasions, Clark met with the president, apparently along with Representative Scott Perry, without authorization, promising to take the actions that Barr, Rosen, and Donahue had refused to take. In particular, Mr. Clark intended to send a letter that he had drafted with the help of a political appointee that the White House installed at DOJ with just weeks left in the administration. Mr. Clark intended to send the letter to officials in numerous states, informing them falsely, of course, that the department had identified significant concerns about the election results in their state and encouraging their state legislatures to come into special session to consider appointing Trump rather than Biden electors. Here's acting Deputy Attorney General Donahue describing his reaction to Mr. Clark's proposed letter. Drafting letters without the knowledge of what the department has done in the investigations. Today, 
and saying if nothing left in the United States government in the outcome of the presidential election. Knowing that existing department leadership would not support his false election claims, President Trump offered Mr. Clark the job of acting attorney general. In a dramatic January 3rd meeting in the Oval Office, Rosen Donahue, White House counsel Pat Cipollone, and White House lawyer Eric Hirschman strongly objected to the appointment of Jeffrey Clark as acting attorney general. Mr. Clark pleaded his case and offered to send the letter that he had drafted. White House counsel called the Clark letter, quote, a murder-suicide pact. Numerous White House and Department of Justice lawyers all threatened to resign if Mr. Clark was appointed. Donald Trump would be leading a great art. It was only after the threat of mass resignations that President Trump rescinded his offer to Mr. Clark. Mr. Chairman, I yield back. Gentleman yields back. The chair recognizes the gentleman from California, Mr. Aguilar, for an opening statement. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Former President Trump's multi-part plan didn't stop with the states or with the Department of Justice. It touched nearly every component of our federal system, ranging from the courts to Congress to his own vice president, Mike Pence. In the weeks before January 6th, Mr. Trump turned to the man who had served him loyally for four years. He embraced an illegal scheme proposed by John Eastman and others who concocted an unfounded legal theory that the vice president could reject Joe Biden's electoral votes during the joint session. When Vice President Pence and many others, including Trump's own lawyer, John Eastman, told him correctly that former President Trump spearheaded an unprecedented campaign to coerce him to do it anyway, ultimately culminating in a dangerous threat to Mr. Pence's life on January 6th. These are the select committee's findings with respect to the pressure campaign against the vice president. John Eastman admitted in advance of the 2020 election that Mike Pence could not lawfully refuse to count official electoral votes. But he nevertheless devised a meritless proposal that deployed a combination of bogus election fraud claims and the fake electoral ballots to say that Mike Pence, presiding over the joint session, could reject legitimate electoral votes for President-elect Biden. But still, President Trump accepted and repeated Eastman's theory and used it to pressure the vice president to take unlawful action. In multiple heated conversations, President Trump directly pressured Vice President Pence to adopt the Eastman theory and either reject the electors or send them back to the state legislatures. The vice president consistently resisted and repeatedly told the president that he did not possess the authority to do what President Trump directed. This culminated in an angry phone call on the morning of January 6th between President Trump and Vice President Pence, during which the former president repeatedly berated Mr. Pence by cursing and leveling threats. White House staffer Nick Luna was one of the many witnesses who heard the call as it happened. Take a listen at Mr. Luna's testimony. Hear any part of the phone call, even if just this man that the president was speaking from? I did, yes. And what'd you hear? So, as I was dropping off the note, um, I, my memory I remember hearing the word wimp. Either he called him a wimp, 
I don't remember if he said, you are a wimp, you'll be a wimp. Wimp is the word I remember. Something to the effect, this is, the wording's wrong. I made the wrong decision four or five years ago. In the face of the vice president's resistance, the former president and others exerted both private and public pressure to change his mind. In his speech on the ellipse on the afternoon of January 6th, former President Trump told the crowd that Vice President Pence needed the courage to do what he has to do. Once the riot began, President Trump deliberately chose to issue a tweet attacking Mr. Pence, knowing that the crowd had already grown violent. Almost immediately thereafter, the crowd around the Capitol surged, and between 2.30 and 2.35 p.m., the Metropolitan Police line on the west front of the Capitol broke. This was the first time in MPD history that a line like this had broken. Rioters at the Capitol were heard chanting, hang Mike Pence, through the afternoon. As a result of this unrest, Vice President Pence was forced to flee to a secure location where he actively coordinated with law enforcement and other governmental officials to address the ongoing violence. Mr. Chairman, I yield back. Gentleman yields back. Chair recognizes the gentlewoman from Florida, Ms. Murphy, for an opening statement. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Ultimately, President Trump did not succeed in bending state and federal officials to his will. At every turn, state officials, the Department of Justice, Mike Pence, and many others stood up for the rule of law and resisted the president's wishes. In that way, our American institutions held after the 2020 election. But that did not stop President Trump. Instead, he turned to his supporters, those who believed his lies about a stolen election. He summoned a crowd to the nation's capital on January 6, hoping that they would pressure Congress to do what he could not do on his own. The Select Committee has made the following findings on this issue. Two years ago today, in the early morning hours of December 19th, Donald Trump sent a tweet urging his supporters to travel to Washington for a protest on January 6th. Be there, we'll be wild, he tweeted. Between December 19th and January 6th, the president repeatedly encouraged his supporters to come to Washington. The president's December 19th tweet galvanized domestic violent extremists, including members of the Oath Keepers, the Proud Boys, and organized militia groups. These individuals began organizing to come to the Capitol in large numbers with the specific intent to use violence to disrupt the certification of the election during the joint session. Prior to January 6th, the FBI, Secret Service, U.S. Capitol Police, D.C. government and other law enforcement agencies gathered substantial evidence suggesting the risk of violence at the Capitol during the joint session. Prior to January, sorry, these included warnings like the following. Their plan is to literally kill people. Please, please take this tip seriously and investigate further. President Trump supporters have proposed a movement to occupy Capitol Hill. Alert regarding the VP being a dead man walking if he doesn't do the right thing. I saw several other alerts saying they will storm the Capitol if he doesn't do the right thing. In the days leading up to January 6th, President Trump's advisors explicitly told him that he should encourage his supporters to be peaceful that day, but refused. One witness, 
Hope Hicks provided the committee with records of her text messages on January 6th. In one exchange with another staffer, he texted her, hey, I know you're seeing this, but he, referring to President Trump, really should tweet something about being nonviolent. I'm not there, Hicks replied. I suggested it several times Monday and Tuesday, and he refused. When Ms. Hicks came in to provide testimony to the committee, we asked her about this exchange. Her explanation is that the he in this text wasn't the president, but rather it was Eric Hirschman. Take a listen to her testimony. Presumably means something about being nonviolent. We wrote, I suggested several times Monday and Tuesday, and he refused. Um, sure. I, I didn't speak to the president about this directly, but I communicated, um, like Eric Hirschman, uh, it was my view that it was important that the president put out some kind of message in advance of the event. Mr. Hirschman said that he had made the same, you know, recommendation um, directly to the president that he had refused. Yes. The public will be able to review this in the transcripts and see the perspective Eric Hirschman gave before we took Hope Hicks's testimony. Despite having knowledge of the threats of violence presented by the crowd, gathered on January 6th, President Trump gave an incendiary speech, declaring without basis that action had been stolen and encouraging his supporters to fight like hell. And during the speech and immediately thereafter, President Trump stated his intention to travel to the Capitol with his supporters in an effort to influence the joint session. The select committee has developed evidence indicating that President Trump did, in fact, intend to go to the Capitol on the afternoon of January 6th, and that he repeatedly expressed that intention during the afternoon and in the days prior. Mr. Chairman, I yield back. Gentlewoman, he yields back. Chair recognizes a gentlewoman from Virginia, Mrs. Luria, for an opening statement. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. All of President Trump's efforts came to a head on the afternoon of January 6th. Standing on the stage of the ellipse, President Trump told tens of thousands of angry supporters that the election was stolen, that they had the power to change that if they marched to the Capitol, and that they wouldn't have a country anymore if the presidency was taken away from him. He told them he would be there with them. And then as the crowd descended on the Capitol, President Trump watched it on television. Despite pleas from his senior advisors, from lawmakers on the Hill and from his own children, President Trump would not issue a public statement instructing his supporters to disperse and leave the Capitol. Mr. Trump's failure spanned the period from 1.10 p.m. when his speech ended and he instructed his supporters to march to the Capitol to 4.17 p.m. when he finally begrudgingly told his supporters to go home. For 187 minutes, he actively disregarded his constitutional obligation to take care that the laws are faithfully executed. As we've established through months of investigation, that is because the mob wanted what President Trump wanted to impede the people.
peaceful transition of power. These are the select committee's findings about President Trump's dereliction of duty. From the outset of the violence and for several hours that followed, people at the Capitol, people inside President Trump's administration, elected officials of both parties, members of President Trump's own family, and even Fox News commentators who were sympathetic to President Trump all tried to contact the White House to urge him to do one singular thing. The one thing that all of these people immediately understood was required, instruct his supporters to leave the Capitol. The president repeatedly refused pleas as he watched the violence at the Capitol on television. During the day, the president never spoke with National Guard, the Department of Defense, the Department of Justice, or any law enforcement agency. At no point during the day, or any other, did he issue any order to deploy any law enforcement agency to assist. Multiple witnesses, including President Trump's White House counsel, testified to these facts. Your White House employees, who had been speaking directly with President Trump, state that he didn't want anything done. The president was making phone calls that afternoon, but they weren't law enforcement officials. Rather, President Trump continued to call his lawyer, Rudy Giuliani. Both President Trump and Mr. Giuliani spoke with congressional leaders, even after, the even after the violence had begun, to encourage them to continue delay the session. Approximately three hours after being informed of the violence at the Capitol, hours during which, as our evidence has shown, Donald Trump sat in his dining room and watched the violence on television, the president released a video statement in which he again repeated that the election was stolen told his supporters at the Capitol that he loved them and ultimately suggested that they disperse. The statement had an immediate impact on elements of the crowd, many of whom who have testified that it led them to depart the Capitol. At 6.01 p.m., President Trump sent his last tweet of the day. He did not condemn the violence. Instead, he attempted to justify it. These are the things and events that happen when a sacred landslide election victory is so unceremoniously and viciously stripped away, he wrote. Remember this day forever. There's no doubt that President Trump thought that the actions of the rioters were justified. In the days after January 6th, he spoke to several different advisors. And in those conversations, he minimized the seriousness of the attack. Here's new testimony from another one of President Senior's advisors, Kellyanne Conway. You said you talked to the president the next day. Tell us about that conversation. So yeah, I don't think it was very long. I just said that was just a terrible day. I'm working on a, a long statement. I said it's crazy. What did he say? No, these people are upset. They're very upset. In the days following the attack, President Trump also expressed a desire to pardon those involved in the attack. Since then, he suggested that he will do so if he returns to the Oval Office. In summary, President Trump lit the flame, he poured gasoline on the fire, and sat by in the White House dining room for hours watching the fire burn. And today, he still continues to, flan to fan those flames. That was his extreme dereliction of duty. Mr. Chairman, I yield back. Gentlewoman yields back. 
chair recognizes the gentleman from Maryland, Mr. Raskin, for an opening statement. Thank you, Mr. Chairman, and I want to thank you for your extraordinary leadership of this committee. Generations to come will praise you and the vice chair for your unswerving devotion to the rule of law. Several months ago, you tasked several of our members in a subcommittee with bringing recommendations to the full committee about potential referrals to the Department of Justice and other authorities based on evidence of criminal and civil offenses that has come to our attention over the course of our investigation. We are now prepared to share those recommendations today. Mr. Chairman, let me begin with some relevant background considerations to our criminal referrals. The dangerous assault on American constitutional democracy that took place on January 6, 2021, consists of hundreds of individual criminal offenses. Most such crimes are already being prosecuted by the Department of Justice. We propose to the committee advancing referrals where the gravity of the specific offense, the severity of its actual harm, and the centrality of the offender to the overall design of the unlawful scheme to overthrow the election compel us to speak. Ours is not a system of justice where foot soldiers go to jail and the masterminds and ringleaders get a free pass. Mr. Chairman, as you know, our committee had the opportunity last spring to present much of our evidence to a federal judge, something that distinguishes our investigation from any other congressional investigation I can recall. In the context of resolving evidentiary privilege issues related to the crime fraud doctrine in the Eastman case, U.S. District Court Judge David Carter examined just a small subset of our evidence to determine whether it showed the likely commission of a federal offense. The judge concluded that both former President Donald Trump and John Eastman likely violated two federal criminal statutes. This is the starting point for our analysis today. The first criminal statute we invoke for referral, therefore, is Title 18, Section 1512C, which makes it unlawful for anyone to corruptly obstruct, influence, or impede any official proceeding of the United States government. We believe that the evidence described by my colleagues today and assembled throughout our hearings warrants a criminal referral of former President Donald J. Trump, John Eastman, and others for violations of this statute. The whole purpose and obvious effect of Trump's scheme were to obstruct, influence, and impede this official proceeding, the central moment for the lawful transfer of power in the United States. Second, we believe that there is more than sufficient evidence to refer former President Donald J. Trump, John Eastman, and others for violating Title 18, Section 371. This statute makes it a crime to conspire to defraud the United States. In other words, to make an agreement to impair, obstruct, or defeat the lawful functions of the United States government by deceitful or dishonest means. Former President Trump did not engage in a plan to defraud the United States acting alone. He entered into agreements, formal and informal, with several other individuals who assisted him with his criminal objectives. Our report describes in detail 
the actions of numerous co-conspirators who agreed with and participated in Trump's plan to impair, obstruct, and defeat the certification of President Biden's electoral victory. That said, the subcommittee does not attempt to determine all of the potential participants in this conspiracy, as our understanding of the role of many individuals may be incomplete even today because they refuse to answer our questions. We trust that the Department of Justice will be able to form a far more complete picture through its own investigation. Third, we make a referral based on Title 18, Section 1001, which makes it unlawful to knowingly and willfully make materially false statements to the federal government. The evidence clearly suggests that President Trump conspired with others to submit slates of fake electors to Congress and the National Archives. We believe that this evidence we set forth in our report is more than sufficient for a criminal referral of former President Donald J. Trump and others in connection with this offense. As before, we don't try to determine all of the participants in this conspiracy, many of whom refuse to answer our questions while under oath. We trust that the Department of Justice will be able to form a more complete picture through its own investigation. The fourth and final statute we invoke for referral is Title 18, Section 2383. The statute applies to anyone who incites, assists, or engages in insurrection against the United States of America and anyone who gives aid or comfort to an insurrection. An insurrection is a rebellion against the authority of the United States. It is a grave federal offense anchored in the Constitution itself, which repeatedly opposes insurrections and domestic violence, and indeed uses participation in insurrection by officeholders as automatic grounds for disqualification from ever holding public office again at the federal or state level. Anyone who incites others to engage in rebelling, assists them in doing so, or gives aid and comfort to those engaged in insurrection is guilty of a federal crime. The committee believes that more than sufficient evidence exists for a criminal referral of former President Trump for assisting or aiding and comforting those at the Capitol who engaged in a violent attack on the United States. The committee has developed significant evidence that President Trump intended to disrupt the peaceful transfer transition of power under our Constitution. The president has an affirmative and primary constitutional duty to act to take care that the laws be faithfully executed. Nothing could be a greater betrayal of this duty than to assist in insurrection against the constitutional order. The complete factual basis for this referral is set forth in detail throughout our report. These are not the only statutes that are potentially relevant to President Trump's conduct related to the 2020 election. Depending on evidence developed by the Department of Justice, the president's actions could certainly trigger other criminal violations. Nor are President Trump and his immediate team the only people identified for referrals in our report. As part of our investigation, we asked multiple members of Congress to speak with us about issues critical to our understanding of this attack on the 2020 election and our system of constitutional democracy. None agreed to provide that essential information. 
As a result, we took the significant step of issuing them subpoenas based on the volume of information particular members possessed about one or more parts of President Trump's plans to overturn the election. None of the subpoenaed members complied, and we are now referring four members of Congress for appropriate sanction by the House Ethics Committee for failure to comply with lawful subpoenas. Mr. Chairman, we understand the gravity of each and every referral we are making today, just as we understand the magnitude of the crime against democracy that we describe in our report. But we have gone where the facts and the law lead us, and inescapably, they lead us here. Accordingly, Mr. Chairman, in light of these facts, I ask unanimous consent that the chairman be directed to transmit to the United States Department of Justice relevant select committee records in furtherance of these criminal referrals. Without objection, so ordered. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I now yield back. Gentleman yields back. Pursuant to notice, I now call up select committee's final report pursuant to section 4A of House Resolution 503. The clerk shall designate the report. Final report of the select committee to investigate the January 6th attack on the United States Capitol. Without objection, the report will be considered read and open to amendment at this point. I now recognize the gentlewoman from Virginia, Ms. Luria, for a motion. Mr. Chairman, I move that the committee favorably report to the House the select committee's final report, which includes the committee's legislative recommendations and criminal referrals of Donald J. Trump and others pursuant to Section 4A of House Resolution 503. The question is on the motion to favorably report to the House. Those in favor say aye. Aye. Those opposed, no. In the opinion of the chair, the ayes have it. Mr. Chairman, I request a recorded vote. A recorded vote is requested. The clerk will call the roll. Ms. Cheney? Aye. Ms. Cheney? Aye. Ms. Lofgren? Aye. Ms. Lofgren? Aye. Mr. Schiff? Aye. Mr. Schiff? Aye. Mr. Aguilar? Aye. Mr. Aguilar? Aye. Mrs. Murphy? Aye. Mrs. Murphy? Aye. Mr. Raskin? Aye. Mr. Raskin? Aye. Mrs. Luria? Aye. Mrs. Luria? Aye. Mr. Kinzinger? Kinzinger, aye. Mr. Kinzinger, aye. Is the chair recorded? Mr. Chairman, you are not recorded. Chair votes aye. Mr. Chairman? Aye. The clerk will report the vote. Mr. Chairman, on this vote, there are nine ayes and zero noes. The motion is agreed to. Without objection, a motion to reconsider is laid on the table. Without objection, staff is authorized to make any necessary technical or conforming changes to the report to reflect the actions of the committee. The chair requests those in the hearing room remain seated until the Capitol Police have escorted members from the room. There being no further business, without objection, the select committee stands adjourned. We have just witnessed an extraordinary moment in America. All right, folks.
You heard it. Let me um, mute my TV here. Um, I hope you guys were able to hear all of that. I want to thank you for being here. And since I started a little bit early, um, just want to highlight basically, you know, say hello, hello to everyone. Thank you for being here. And um, glad to have you joining in our virtual town hall conversation that takes place Monday through Friday at 1.30 p.m. Uh, Eastern to discuss current events, legislation, civics, politics, and the effect on our democracy. And I appreciate all of you who come um, on a regular basis and participate, whether listening or speaking, making good trouble. We welcome new voices and certainly treasure the old in this conversational roundtable. Well, we strive to inform and inspire using fact-based uh, information and solutions. Um, we agree to disagree without being disrespectful, attack arguments or ideas without attacking people, raise our hands to speak, and mute our mic when we're not. A reminder, it is a recorded daytime space, so keep this in mind with the personal information you share and the language that you use. Otherwise, don't be shy. Love to have you join us in the conversation. Um, and if you would like to um, comment on the hearings that you just heard, please request the mic. And I'm going to give my co-host today, Soul Sister, an opportunity to greet you guys. And again, I just want to thank you all for being here and um, feeling pretty good about the uh, wrap up for the January 6th committee myself. The fact that they are um, sending criminal referrals to the DOJ and my understanding with what I have read thus far, even though they had the hearing today, the actual report will be released on Wednesday. So I'm guessing that's since they didn't give the names that maybe at that point, that's when we'll find it out. But I don't know. So, so sister, how are you today? I'm doing well. Um, that was uh, pretty intense. That was that was great. I, I'm I'm happy to hear that they're making these referrals. I don't know what that exactly is going to mean for the DOJ. I'm sure that they already have um, their ideas as well uh, about what they will be able to charge uh, the former president as well as whatever members of Congress. Um, they've been investigating. Um, I was surprised that there were only four names or four, four referrals in regards to the congressional members. And um, we could play let's guess if we want to, but um, I'm interested in seeing what that final report is going to look like. So I've been putting things in the nest in relation to um, this hearing today and some with video clips and some without. So if anyone's interested, they can just grab them from up top. But I'm happy to be here. And thank you so much for that. Um, I could hear it. And that was, uh, that was quite a bit. That was well, quite a bit. Well, good. I hope the quality, um, the sound quality was good. I, I, it just kind of came to me at the last minute because I knew what time they were having it. I really didn't know, um, what it, would consist of but right. I didn't think it would be more than 30 or 40 minutes which you know that's okay 
take up that amount of time for conversation. And I think that um, there will probably be some spaces this evening. Uh, I'm not certain, um, but I know Dawn had been having um, kind of a, a space after the hearings. I'm not sure that she'll do that today, but if I find out about it, I will let you guys know and try to amplify it. But quite frankly, yeah. I'm in the holiday spirit. I'm really, um, I love you guys, but I'm kind of not trying to hang out in spaces uh, <laughs> a lot. So I um, today I really was thinking that I'd probably only have an hour of conversation um, for you guys. If, if you had more that you wanted to talk about, that's fine. But me, um, I've kind of spent a year of talking <laughs> about our democracy. I know I'm going to be going into the next year doing that, working on some other things. So I'm taking an opportunity to kind of relax. But I thought the hearings were very, very important to what we have um, been doing here in this community, in this space, in our conversations, and just kind of give some highlights of some of the past week's news that uh, may or may not have been talked about in previous spaces um, that followed on Monday. But I just wanted to remind everyone, you know, of course, President Biden signed um, the request, uh, the um, RFMA, what is that? The Respect for Marriage Act on Wednesday, the December on uh, December fourteenth. Also, we had the official unveiling of uh, Matt, uh, Madam Speaker Pelosi's official portrait, which is awesome. Also, found out that uh, the United States Post Office, the only thing I've agreed with since they bought the joy on, basically, will be revealing a new stamp. Uh, for um, the late, great Representative John Lewis. So, so excited about that. Also, I know that I mentioned on Monday because that had me hot, the Keystone oil spill. It has been um, contained, but cleanup is still going on. Um, they're saying weeks, but I'm reading other things that it is going to be probably years because this is not the same kind of oil it's tar sand and it's a whole different kind of mess um so those are some of the things i had on my list also i wanted to let you guys know um just some doga um um updates we had uh, i saw that they uh, indicted an ohio ohio man for um, basically rest, uh, domestic terrorist uh, threats. He was threatening an Arizona state uh, election official and he was indicted on the 14th. And then of course, um, the uh, FTX um, crypto guy uh, founder was indicted. And I think those things are very, very important. And also we learned, and I think that's coming any time now, that uh, Donald, uh, the former guy's tax returns are going to be released. And he, he tweeted something crazy about it, kind of like trying to change the narrative or prepare us so he can, you know, spin the narrative the way he want. But um, I'm looking uh, forward to hearing what you guys have on your mind um, today. And we do have a couple of people who have come up. Um, Blue and then uh, Shauna and then also um, I know there's probably been a lot of chatter but um, you know he had a bit the former guy had a big nice announcement trading cards really I mean this is where we are now I mean talk about grift and <laughs> people don't see that but anyway um, 
Blue, go ahead. And then Shauna, I want to thank you guys for being here. Please share and retweet the space. Like I said, I hadn't intended to go long today, but I can. And I am just going to leave that to the people um, here in the space and the conversations that we have. Uh, that's how I will um, be led. So, Blue, how are you today? Doing fine, thank you. Um, and thanks so much for having the the space, D, and for um, going ahead and uh, broadcasting it. And thank you, Soul Sister, and I see Eugene is here in the room too. Thank you, all of you, for all of your work that you've done um, all of these many months. Uh, I feel really um, very sobered and sad. Um, I'm really very, uh, I find this is the only right thing that needed to happen. But the reality that our country has arrived at this point is very, very sobering to me. Um, and I do not feel joyous. I do not feel <laughs> happy. I simply feel uh, deeply saddened by it, but that this is the just thing that must happen. What I'm more concerned about now is the people that have believed his grift and the, the, uh, um, <clears throat> the psyops, you know, the psychological uh, things that have been done over these years with the help of foreign governor, governments, etc., um, to divide the American public and to allow such a figure to come to power. And we see that echoing across the globe, other countries, other uh, wannabe dictators um, copying those methods. So I, I find it just, um, it will, of course, we'll have to wait and see how it all plays out with the DOJ, but um, it is, a, it is um, a just but sad day, I find, for the United States. And um, we, need to we need to go ahead and, and uh, follow through. It needs to continue on to its legal end. Um, but I find it quite sad that we've arrived at this point. So thank you. Well, thank you, Allie. And, and I, too, I think most people who care about this country are probably having a similar reaction, um, just that we're here and that so many people like are willing to like keep us here, that, that they're, you know, they still don't think that there's anything wrong with it, even sadder. But um, this is where we are. This is why I keep um, having the discussion about the state of our democracy with such urgency, because it truly is in peril, you know. I think things that are going on even in the social media environment also points to um, hints of um, authoritarianism and, and these kinds of things and our um, ability to have voice and to speak um, truth to power, so to speak, being threatened. And uh, that's not the uh, sign of a healthy, thriving democracy. But uh, we're gonna keep beating the drums and doing the work and we're going to also um, relax a little bit and enjoy this festive holiday season and be thankful um, that we still do have one and an opportunity to save it. Um, and I know that everyone here in this space um, is busy doing the work in whatever way that they can to do that. So um, up next, we've got Shauna and then LMZ. Uh, thank you guys again for being here. Please share, retweet the space, 
And um, like I said, not sure how long we'll be here. Not because, I, I mean, I can be here all day, but I just really, I'm kind of spaced out. <laughs> but, uh, go ahead, Shauna. How are you? Good afternoon, uh, Ms. D, uh, Soul Sister. Um, yeah, I'm um, I'm happy that um, they were able to kind of come to a close before the holidays and before the Congress um, ended their session. You know, I think that they um, pretty much, um, their findings are probably close to what the DOJ's findings probably are. But uh, of course, their, their information is public and the DOJ isn't. So I'm glad that this committee was formed so that we, you know, could have um, full transparency of kind of what's um, going on on this side, since, you know, people kind of want to know what's what's going on. Um, it's frustrating um, to see that someone will go to such lengths to try and steal the presidency. Um, he still failed. Um, so I'm glad that that happened. But um, I'm interested to see what happens next. Because a conspiracy to defraud the United States has, seems pretty serious. So I don't know um, what type of, you know, penalty or what type of, like, prison sentence that might would hold or if any I don't know this is unprecedented so I, I don't know but um, I'm thankful to the committee even um, the two Republicans on it um, and I mean I know they're on their way out they won't be missed um, so but at least they were able to get this done before they left but um, we'll see what happens um, in the next um, the next month or so I, I don't know how fast they'll be moving with these with these charges now that there's a re recommendation, but I'm proud of the work they were able to get done though um, with this committee. So um, that's all that I had. Thank you. Thank you, Sean. I appreciate it and couldn't agree more. Definitely proud of the work that they um, have done. Um, I did put it in the thread of this space. I'll try to put it in the Jumbotron, but I um, followed. Glenn Kirshner, and he is a former federal prosecutor, and he has a great YouTube channel, if you'd like to follow it, and he usually always gives um, great um, insights and rundowns on whatever um, legal issues are uh, in the ether, and based on the charges which were intimated before they actually made him today of what they were, this is from a federal a former federal prosecutor who has a very good track record of winning, he actually says that they have enough as evidence. Now, you know, having the evidence and actually, you know, making the case or, or how that's going to work, I don't know, because we're in very unprecedented times. Uh, there have been other countries where there have been coups. Uh, we had a civil war here. I don't think that we've ever had a president uh, to behave in this way. So, you know, unprecedented, um, unprecedented action calls for kind of, um, you know, some unprecedented um, legal strategies and, and things. But I certainly feel that uh, Merrick Garland has done a great job choosing the team. Um, I don't think it's, you know, lost on us or any accident that, um, Jack Smith, you know, was called away from his duty over, uh, you know, prosecuting criminals in The Hague. So I don't think this is foreign territory to him. So I just want us to to 
continue to be able to live in a country with a democracy that is not perfect, nor a justice system, but to have it be able to work for us in the in in the worst cases and work on being able to get it to work for all the cases. But, you know, if there is ever a worst case scenario, it is certainly someone trying to attempt to overthrow the government to stop the peaceful transfer of power. And that is what happened. And uh, it's important that everyone involved, you know, be held to account. And I think that committee has done uh, the Lord's work <laughs> in uncovering um, a lot of material. And I feel like the DOJ has the staff and the leadership that it needs to continue that work. How it's going to fall out, we shall see. But uh, thanks again, Shauna. And up next, we have LMZ. And then um, we have uh, Mark, who has come up. And um, I appreciate that. And um, LMZ, you're up next. Good afternoon, Miss D. Good afternoon, Soul Sister. Thank you so much for the honor and privilege of speaking in this afternoon space. Um, so I'm going to start by saying, of course, without reservation, I give nothing but props and praise to the January 6th committee. All members, whether they're Democrat or Republican, they get nothing but respect from me for everything they've done through their entire um, investigation. I grieve that they have to end on January the 3rd due to the um, criminals and the clowns that currently have the majority in the House of Representatives. And it's already shown that um, the GOP shadow group is going to release their version of the January 6th report focusing on Capitol Hill security failures, failures and slamming panel for, quote, political payback on Trump. The House GOP is going to release their own report on the Capitol attack to counter but the official one. They do. We're prepared to release it when they release theirs. And it's going to be all these, you know, laws and fraudulent things, just like the fact that they're prepared to, like they've been saying, they want to do an investigation, you know, Hunter Biden's laptop, Hunter Biden's laptop. They want to uh, Let's it holds see. all answers to everything, to, everything. To, cli to climate change, to, I mean, it's yes. the new eight ball. You know, everything, like, everything you could want. Laptop. Exactly. Everything is fixed in Hunter Biden's laptop. Everything we need, an answer to every social problem, Ill, anything that is going on in the country is in that damn laptop. The House GOP knows it. If only the rest of us would just catch up, right? And they want to do, you know, Marjorie Taylor Greene, she's put impeachment papers against President Biden, I don't know, six, seven, eight, a dozen times now. And then you've got that fool Def Santis. I know that's not on a, a federal level, but, you know, actually putting in he's going to do an investigation on Dr. Fauci. Death Santis got the nickname Death Santis because of how he failed his state of Florida and how many people died in Florida around his COVID failure. And That's he's going to have to do so much Jerry, uh, Jerry, gerrymandering because they lost a lot of their constituency. They lost a lot of their constituency and he's going to have the actual audacity, the caucasity and I'm part Italian. So I'm going to put that out there. He's going to have the caucasity. Because I know he likes to stand on being Italian, but he can take several seats. He's going to have the caucasity, Def Santis, to do an investigation on Dr. Fauci. Are, are you serious? They are all going to do, like I said, I started I mean, this like with the, giving, 
Oh, go ahead, Dave. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. But when you were talking about them releasing their report, uh, I mean, it's probably some of them that are behind the report releasing their report are probably in the January 6th report. And their attorneys have not been, you know, of the stellar kind or or not using stellar legalese um, to, you know, push these crazy lawsuits and, and all the things that they have done. But, you know, it's so typical of them. If you, you sit and watch that's their behavior, remember how angry they got with the um, the 1619 project, an academic project that, you know, whose only job was to have a more truthful reflection of our history. And they got so mad that they commissioned the 1776 project. So, you know, they always have to, uh, but I like it when they do that because I feel like they're playing catch up to a narrative that they're trying to, you know, reshape. And we just have to continue to stay focused and push the narrative. The narrative we have is fact-based. Um, and, um, that's what we have to continue to do because that that's all they're doing is is really trying to change the narrative of facts that are out there that they know that is going to be ex, um, you know easily accessible to the public now so they're got to find some way but i just wanted to put that in <laughs> Well, of course, ma'am, you are the host of this and you can put in anything you want anytime. <laughs> and that is absolutely truth. But let me, I'm going to finish up, I promise, because I know there's other speakers. But um, my point to that was that I want to go back to, to what I'm saying is they're always causing chaos, which is what Miss D was saying, to try to distract people from the truth. So all these reports are coming out that in red states, more Republican people have died because they're they're a bunch of fools that refuse to wear masks, refuse to get vaccinated. When the first person to get vaccinated was the orange demon inside the White House in January of 2021. OK, <laughs> so y'all are out here dying. Your families are dying. You're dying. There's this triple pandemic right now of the RSV, the flu, COVID still out here. Now they're talking about this terrible strain of strep throat. Y'all are still trying to own the libs. I don't feel owned in any way. You know what I mean? I'm vaxxed and boosted and I've never had COVID. I don't feel owned at all. You're still right. trying to own I believe me. in science. Yes. Yeah. You're and, still and trying to own me well. over some <laughs> obese, uh, senile, I mean, obese senior citizen down in Mar-a-Lago, Florida, who has been vaccinated since January of 2021 when the vaccine came into this country. Him and Melania got it in the White House and you're still trying to own me going on three years later. You get what I'm saying? Like, I'm not owned, sir. I'm not owned, ma'am. And you're yeah. killing yourselves off. You're killing yourselves off. So now we're about to face going into these criminal recommendations. And I trust what the Department of Justice is going to do because I trust the Department of Justice. I, I, I trust the Department of Justice. I trust these people that took these vows and, and came in under the Biden administration. I trust Merrick Garland. I trust his associate justices, women of color who are doing amazing things. I trust all of them. They take their job seriously. This is not Bill Barr. This is not Trump's personal lawyer. These are committed attorneys, people that care about the Constitution, care of upholding the law, they're going to do what they need to do. Things don't happen overnight. These are not law and order episodes on TV that get fixed in 60 minutes, okay? So I trust that they're going to do what's right. But what we, I mean the collective we, not a person that's listening to me right now, what we have to be ready for is how much utter 
chaos and three ring circusness and clown show is about to come because that's all they do. All they do is distract and we're not dealing with people that are in reality anymore. They don't deal with, you know, they ignore subpoenas. They make up bold face lies. They don't come to court. Um, they, they, you know, lie on other people. They, they try to make it a national inquirer story about folks. They talk about beautiful Madam Vice President Harris's where boring clothes what are you talking about do you know what i mean just just utter insanity comes out of their mouths nothing ha that has anything to do with um, legislation or the state of affairs in our country which they should be focused on <laughs> exactly exactly so for going forward my advice is because i know everybody's probably tired to some extent you know i i am as well i'm not going to sit up here in front like i have all this energy for these utter seditionist traitorous benedict arnold fools I always go back to 2016 and know that many of us were sitting here and knew good and damn well Hillary Clinton won the popular vote and that there might have been some shenanigans around the Electoral College, but we couldn't quite prove what Putin, Putin may or may not have done around the Electoral College and things of that nature. But none of us went to the United States Capitol and beat up police officers and we're breaking in windows and breaking down doors and leaving our feces and our piss all over the building. None of us did that. See, we're not the same. Both sides are not the same. We're not the same at all. It's two very, very, very different sides of what we're dealing with. And it's six years later and we're still dealing with, you know, the fallout from folks who didn't vote for Hillary and voted that orange fool in, that orange demon in. So I'm tired as well. I'm getting ready to land my plane. But everybody needs to be ready to fight like hell because now they're going to throw everything but the kitchen sink at us to try to get this fool out of getting in trouble because so many of their butts, like Miss D said, are going to be in some of this, this paperwork that's being referred over to the Department of Justice as well. And like I always say, since we've only got six days to go, whether it's Christmas in your life, whether it's Kwanzaa in your life, whether it's winter solstice in your life, whether it's just a holiday break in your life, I wish you season's greetings to you and yours and don't allow anything or anyone on this bird app to steal your joy. Thank you again, Miss D and Soul Sister for the time. Happy holidays to both of you. And with that, I lay on my plane and go back down to listener. Well, thank you so very much and I appreciate it. And yes, I um, would um, like to say um, those greetings are, I can second that. Um, and it's very important that we protect our peace. We have... Um, a lot of um, political fights have ha ahead of us. So it's important to stay focused and not waste energy in unproductive um, and places. And, you know, certainly there is a lot that can be wasted, <laughs> you know, in real life, but certainly on this app. And I'm just saying, um, be aware and be careful. I, I only have so much energy, so I am super protective of it. And I just want us to remain, like I said, focused in the fight for our democracy because the battle is not over. They never relented or retreated. They just changed, you know, directions. You know, they just took, you know, like roundabouts, <laughs> but they're still coming for our democracy. And every day, you know, evidence comes to us. Uh, somebody does something crazy, uh, to 
let us know that they're okay with living in an authoritarian state. You know, certainly journalists probably got a wake up call about that. So I hope that it lights a fire under their butt and cause them to uh, get off their asses and do the job that they um, were, um, you know, kind of assigned and, and expected to do uh, from their state and their place in the Constitution, because, you know, they uh, will eventually come for all of us. None of us will be free. So it's important that we just continue to stay focused and do the work where, where we know the work is needed. So up next, we've got Mark and then Tiff. And I want to thank you guys again for joining us. Um, so, Mark, you have the floor. Um, well, uh, uh, well, a couple things. And, and man, following LMZ with all that fire, uh, that, you know, I'm, I'm in a precarious situation. So I don't want to I don't want to detract from that fire. I'm going to keep it going. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. You know, you all have your own unique uh, fire and, and uh, way of presenting, and I love it. So you just do you, and I'm looking forward, as I think well, probably everyone, uh, for your we, legal expertise on this. And, 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 and we love it, too. Um, uh, first first off, uh, you know, speaking to some of the stuff she was talking about, um, which has to do with some legalities of the whole thing, some of the biggest talkers are the ones that have the most counsel. And will need the most counsel, especially if they're the ones going to be on committees. They're not going to be able to say much because everything you say can be used against you in the court of law. You do have a right to remain silent. So some of these individuals that are identified in, in actually the January 6th report, either as primary or ancillary um, um, subjects, are going to have to keep keep it close. So a lot of this stuff is uh, much ado about nothing in, in the Shakespearean uh, sense or, or at least in the, in the, like, you know, all bark, no bite sense. Um, the other thing is with regard to the charges, we have to break those down because all of them are not equal, uh, with regard to, and I think you said it best. You said, um, there's evidence that supports probably each and every one of those charges. And there's, there's a plethora of evidence. We just passed Thanksgiving and Thanksgiving is the first time I ever learned about the word plethora, but um, it should. It was oh, still my. With <laughs> oh my goodness! I I hated that word for a long time because I, I dated <laughs> someone who used it all the time. So yeah, I only use plethora whenever we're on Thanksgiving. <laughs> okay, all right, cornucopia, all of that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Let, let, let's just stop with the nonsense. The words, man, like plethora. Okay, I'll I'll try to find another cinnamon. Synonym, not cinnamon. I just had a cinnamon bun, so that's why that happened. Um, synonym for plethora. But um, there is a plethora of, of evidence with regard to, or, or let me go this, an abundance of, of evidence with regard to all these charges, but all these charges aren't situated equally. So, you know, when you look at these charges, you have conspiracy to defraud, which is a great charge. It includes, you know, you're able to, what you're able to do with the evidence when you have conspiracy charges, something different than what you're able to do with charges such as inciting a riot because of the first amendment um, issues that come with inciting a riot. So like you have to separate legally what the person said, if they have a right to, uh, for, for instance, speech, free speech, from a constitutional perspective, and did that did that incite the riot? Is that is that criminal conduct? So there's a there's an issue there that is at least appealable, even if it was, the person was convicted of the crime. Um, but conspiracy to defraud and obstruction and all these other charges, 
that's strong evidence. And the one, you know, I'm gonna be short today. I'm not gonna be long, um, and because y'all know I've been, y'all know I've been on this like this trial going to LA uh, a lot. Right? This is it's just like my my thing, man. I love I love the actual trials that are ha- happening. Mm-hmm. And when there's a when there's a trial like this that happens, I'll be on, on it too. But the 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 thing about this this these referrals that are good, whether whether the Department of Justice takes on the uh, conspiracy uh, charge or the incitement, I think the incitement don't expect that to be the you know a major charge there. I think conspiracy to defraud the United States is going to include a lot of people. Um, the thing that's the thing that's so good about these referrals it's all sworn testimony, right? These are not statements that are given in police reports. These are this is testimony that's given under the penalty of perjury. No one can recant. There's no recalcitrant witnesses when it comes to this. There's no pressure. Um, they, everybody, the people that that made these statements under oath had counsel present. Um, so you're not going to get normal normal like trial you know statements that are made when people are coming in and read their rights and they give statements. You have people that came in with their lawyers. Some some of them had three to five lawyers that come in that actually orchestrated these statements and what they're going to say. Um, and that's the power of the evidence that the Department of Justice is going to be able to use and move swiftly with what they already have in order to bring these uh, in, bring these cases to fruition and bring and, and bring them to the to the grand juries for a functional grand jury, not just a not just an administrative grand jury, but a functional grand jury is actually going to consider these charges and be able to indict when they when they've seen enough. It's a constellation of evidence. You don't you don't think as you don't think of these cases as individual stars. Like one piece of evidence means it can mean a lot, right? You have Trump doing this, Trump doing that, but that one piece of evidence doesn't mean anything unless it's compared and contrasted with the other stars in the constellation. That's how you prove uh, cases beyond a reasonable doubt. You think in terms of evidence as constellations, not stars. Um, and so, and once you know the Big Dipper. You see the Big Dipper, right? Once you know Orion in the wintertime, it's not available in the summertime. It's only available in the wintertime. Once you see it up in the up in the sky, um, you know it's there. Um, and that's how the Department of Justice is going to uh, approach these this evidence in these, these cases. I I don't think they're going to just take every single referral and just you know automatically do it. We're still months away from seeing anything happening. But the stuff that's already been put in motion with regard to what the what Jack Smith and his special counsel office is already doing will take these referrals and take this evidence that's already there and bring these and bring these uh, individual witnesses before uh, the grand juries um, and uh, have them repeat their sworn testimony or even offer their sworn testimony to the grand jury. They don't even have to actually call them as, as witnesses. So we we won't get this fight that we had before with regard to subpoenaing witnesses and having a schedule, they're able to offer sworn testimony to the grand jury for them to consider, uh, which is something, something uh, that is going to speed up the process, not elongate it. Um, Another thing is um, there is, there, there is a argument and this is the, this is the elephant in the room. You know, you, you can't ignore this. You know, when you, when you, seek criminal charges on a former president of the United States. It's never been done before in this country. Um, and everybody wants to be sure. And, you know, I'm pretty sure Merrick Garland wants the best case possible. Um, but unfortunately, um, you know, in our human existence, there's no best case possible 
it's all it, a case can always get better. I mean, you can always have absolute evidence, but even in cases of absolute evidence, it doesn't turn out the way you think it's going to turn out when you actually go to trial. So, you know, once you like, like, in, like, like you would expect the jury when they can contrast and consider the totality of the circumstances of, of all the evidence presented, that's how the prosecution has to be in the department of justice. Like, Hey, look, you know what? We'll never have enough. It's not, there's nothing ever going to be perfect. You're always going to be faced with this, with this, uh, with this thing and you know what they have to do is they have to bring the case when they feel like they have the case and that's what they have to do um so that's it yeah so like you know yeah this is great this is a great moment um but it's the very beginning of the moment it's not the end end all be all well thank you for that synopsis mark and um Again, always happy to hear it. And then maybe on another occasion, uh, we can get an update on the L.A. case, which I find you know, culturally um, interesting uh, from, from that uh, standpoint. So, again, I thank you for being here. If you can, stick around. Uh, I'm going to be here a little longer, but I won't be here long today. But I did want to have an opportunity to chat with you guys to cover this important uh, historic hearing. As I said, I think there may be some other spaces later so that there can be further conversation about it. But I do trust the, you know, the leadership at the helm of the DOJ. And we can, you know, just watch them try to tear that apart. They're already, you know, targeting the FBI. So um, the people who are in place to bring accountability will be their targets, you know. So thanks so much. I appreciate you. And up next, we've got Tiff. Hey, Dee. Hi, how are you? I'm pretty good. Here to say hi. All um, right. I'm, I'm banned in spaces, but of course, I saw you on and I wanted to come say hi since I haven't talked to you in a while. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely um, want to talk about this because... I don't know if you guys saw the video that I posted about Mike Pence and he's so ridiculous and everything that we know about what happened on one, you know, on one six and who, and that he was targeted and he's like, well, I don't think the DOJ should bring, should bring charges to, you know, to, to, to Trump. And it's like, okay, dude, like how much of a loser do you have to be to sit around and say this on national TV, knowing that literally they could have killed you if you got in that car or if they and, he, and you. his boss would have been a okay with it. Exactly. In fact, and it was directed by him. <laughs> exactly. They. I mean, his boss basically gave the order. I mean, let's be real. To to basically kill, um, or to detain, or whatever you want to call it, um, Mike Pence. So it's kind of odd to see him. I know he's playing politics, but your policy, your life comes before politics. I would think. Like, are you trying to run for president? You don't. The DOJ needs to prosecute. I mean, I hope that, like, to Mark's point, I hope they have an ironclad case. And we have all the testimony. I mean, they basically the one six the one six commission did a lot of work for the DOJ. I mean, and the DOJ obviously has the evidence from the people that were, you know, that they prosecuted on their own. Um, we really just need Jack Smith to kind of put it all together and, you know, get and get Trump to what I there is so much that Trump has done over <laughs> over the last, you know, couple of years that I think, you know, I, I don't know if Mark can talk about this but do you think that they with everything that you've seen do you think a rico charge is possible 
because there is a lot there is a lot happening and i don't know if the culmination of all of it ends up in that place i'm not a lawyer but you are so what so i mean obviously these are charges but it feels like there's a bigger something brewing between the documents and all i mean they probably will end up being charged separately but do you think there's like an even bigger a bigger case that is to be had here mr mark i got three minutes <laughs> mark. he must have uh, won he must have stepped uh, away yeah. If yeah. he comes back, if he comes I will back, definitely, ask yeah. him the question for me, okay? Because I have to, I have to take a call at three o'clock. Yeah, um, I understand. And that's a great question because, like, I feel like that trading card stunt, you know, people are saying, yeah, money laundering. Hmm, I don't yeah. know. Uh, definitely a grip. I'm pretty sure he bought his own his own trading cards. Exactly. exactly. Like, I mean, Trump Trump is a narcissist. I mean, he is literally between him and Elon Musk. It's like two narcissists. Mm. They're like two mm -hmm. peas in a pod. Literally mm -hmm. the same, you know, they have like the same kind of um, personality where they just lie and they everything is makes everything about themselves. And we know that we know the Trump corporation was corrupt. Obviously, they just got, you know, in trouble for that. And so that's going to be dismantled. So there's like a lot of things that Trump has done. I want to see what happens with the with the, the Congress people that are involved. Obviously, we know that they. You know, they they all there's a lot of them that had something to do with this. Um, Scott Perry's one of them. Yeah, and, and I, I said feel that, like he's uh, in big trouble. Might, right, and the the majority might change. Because, exactly, you know, so the majority might change, but we we at least know that four people, you know, have been at least referred to the ethics committee. I believe it was I saw. Um, what is the ethics committee going to do? I don't know because that kind of that will change in in the new year but i think it's a, i think it has to be an even amount anyway it's not like one it's not it's like a up the panel is even on that committee i believe so i don't know what's gonna happen i i at, at this point i don't s speculate on what will happen with trump because i mean everything points to him being a white male who's gonna get off scot-free but you just never know based on you know what we uh, on the evidence right there's a lot of evidence that's been put out there and it's I just can't see Merrick Garland and the and the DOJ just ignoring it. I mean, the I mean, I was watching it. I was actually watching MSNBC the other day and the lawyers were talking about it. And they were like, listen, I mean, basically, the DOJ asked the one six committee to do this. Like they said, you know, you do your investigation and you give us the information. And they've done they've done a, a stellar job. So props to, 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 you know, to Congressman Benny Thompson and even Liz Cheney, who sat on that committee, I'll give her a, a, a not nothing outside. She served. Of this. Her, she served nothing her purpose there. Like, she did her job. I will it. give her. You know, I'll give her credit for for this and and stupid Adam. Um, you know, for for at least partaking in this committee, showing that they had you know the, the fortitude to be able to to stick with it and put themselves out there. I mean, a lot of people had suffered casualties because of this. You know, Elaine Luria, she lost her seat. Um, a couple people, Stephanie Murphy didn't run. So people that are on this, on this commission, you know, they, they kind of, they kind of suffered in the process. So I hope there is something that comes out of it because it, it's important. And obviously we don't, we don't, we want Trump to be held to account. And I would think that most should want him to be out. We just don't know what we, we've never seen it before. So we don't know what the accountability will look like. And 
I hope he, I, I mean, I would hope that he would never become president again, but the way these people act and the way that they carry themselves, you just never know. So I'll land there. I'll be back in a little bit. I have to take, I have to go on a phone call here on my computer. Okay. Yeah. Right. And Talk I would be good if that's all we got out of it, him not being able to run for president again, he should not exactly. be able to have public office, but thanks Tiff for coming in and spending a few right, moments no with us. All right. Talk to you okay. All right, bye. All right. So guys, um, I don't have, um, any Mark, are you back? Um, not sure. Um, blue, did you want to chime in here? I'm, I'm doing something here in the background or soul sister. Um, if you would like to give us, you know, your critique kind of, of, of what you thought. And I am going to be getting into our wrap-up stage. So uh, if there's anyone down there listening in the gallery would like to come up, chime in on this or, you know, some of the other news items that I did mention because this is not the only thing. And uh, let's not forget that there is a, a war still going on uh, across the ocean that is uh, having an effect on our democracy and it's becoming cruel and crueler. I um, know that there has been a lot of uh, civilian targeting of Ukrainian um, cities and infrastructure to basically make them suffer and suffer a lot uh, during the winter, just um, cruelty. And then I saw something which I, I'm not going to further it until I can verify it, but basically they're, they're grabbing everyone um, to become, you know, soldiers, like they're making that they got prisoners and that some of them ran away with their guns and that they got, um, police officers, but I don't like to, um, spread too much, um, information until I can get verifiable sources on that. But I did have, um, Freakus come up, so I'm not sure who that is. Um, it's me. Eugene. I was, I was going to say, well, I don't know. You're doing a Geechee, changing your icon. I'm like, who is this guy? Okay. I'm I, I was look. Okay. All right. Well, if you didn't misbehave so much, you probably wouldn't have to hide. But anyway, glad to have you here. So, how are you doing? Good, like, Greg. My goodness. I'm like, who the hell is this I'm following them, but I don't, you know, like, <laughs> I just... Okay, go ahead. How are you? <laughs> good. I'm glad I got you. That makes me feel better. I'm doing really good. I uh, So, like, I don't know what's all going to come out of this, but, like, it kind of, for me, it was, like, a, an inside reading of perhaps what might, might be happening in DOJ. Those were some pretty smart attorneys that put this forward, right? Um, and so, you know, they didn't just willy-nilly, like, put together, well, let's think we'd do this. Um, they did some research on this. So I got to think that, you know, DOJ has probably got as good or if not better sitting inside there. <clears throat> and perhaps this was a kind of a peak. I'm, I'm really interested in, the, in these insurrection charges. I mean, this is like historically th this has never happened. Right. This. But I think that this needs to happen so that they won't do it. At least there'll be a little bit of fear of ever trying to attempt this again, you know, um, by taking down the top of it. But I don't see how they go after Trump and not some of these lawmakers um, that participated with them, because it, I mean, like, 
I just think the guy would roll over pretty quick and say, well, that Marjorie Taylor Greene and try to get some of the stink uh, off of him. So it's, we're probably getting to that phase where people are Gee, is that my yeah. phone or is that you cut now? It may be me. I think I it was you, Because okay, yeah. I thought it was me at first. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm nope. I'm using a different um, kind of earbud. Is this better? Much. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, but um, I, for, I lost my train of thought. So um, go ahead, Eugene, and continue. Oh no, that's pretty. That's pretty much all I had was, you know, I, I just, I, I think that maybe perhaps we might have got a little peek. Um, I just, I, I, I like it was a really well put together conclusion. Um, it was concise. I followed it really easily, um, and I hope that the rest of America can too. Um, you know, you never know with this. I, I, I know with my other accounts, one of the things that I would do is I would make b music videos out of that footage that they put forward just to keep it there. Right. Like, cause people forget. Um, and, and so like, I just thought, well, you know, let's just keep that footage out there. Cause it's stunning. I mean, it just, every time I see it, it makes my heart go, Oh my gosh. That's what receipts look like. And I love it. So, you know, when I see that kind of stuff, I, I want to continue to um, amplify it um, because there will be all sorts of other narratives to come about. Um, Absolutely. And um, don't let I don't think. It. Yeah. So, well, thank you so much. Glad um, that um, I didn't make a mistake here. I was like, I'm following them, and <laughs> I don't know why I missed, but um, my I was eyes are a little DM tired. You earlier, and I apologize. I, I, I was just going to DM you to let you know that I'd done this. But okay. I think I, I think I did. I sent you a video um, just to kind of let you know what I was. Well, I haven't been on here a lot, and also it's acting. The app is acting really weird. I'm not going to try to spend a lot of time figuring it out. I'm just, <laughs> just going to be here and use it as best I can to continue doing the work that I have been doing until the last vestiges of it evaporate. That's <laughs> what I'm doing. Yep. So I'm, I'm here, but like I said, not here. You know, I, um, I'm not going to be held hostage, but you know, like I said, we'll use it while it's here. And for today, it was an, a great opportunity to use this feature. So I appreciate that opportunity and I'm going to leave it there. Um, Mark, are you back and available? Cause I have a question for you. If you are that TIFF posed. Okay. Well, he's not. So, so sister, I'm going to go to you and then I'm going to um, start to um, close this out. I'm going to um, give a couple of other people an opportunity. Um, my phone is doing some weird stuff. I Let me know if you guys, if you can't hear me, if I start to go out, because I'm also using a few new tools. But um, go ahead, so sister, and then... Um, I'm sorry, brought somebody up. They disappeared. You want to give us your thoughts? Yeah, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. I, I was waiting until you were done. Okay. Um, yeah, I I think that I was surprised that there were only four names. I think I said that earlier. 
and I was also surprised that I, some names that I figured would be on there are not included. So um, it'll it'll be interesting how this all shapes out. I, I'm with you, D. I, I'm and I've said it from the beginning. From the very beginning, I, uh, yeah, of course, would would I love to see um, federal long-term prison charges against a former president for every crime that can, you know, the culmination of, of all these crimes that have been committed by him. He's probably sitting somewhere committing a crime right now. Right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's like breathing for him. But exactly. I, I don't, I don't know if if they have the guts to actually do, uh, you know, press for a prison. My, my biggest want, if I get, get anything out of it would be for him to never uh, ever be able to hold any office. I don't even care. Like, I know we mentioned dog catcher. I mean, I don't care if it's dog catcher. I, I don't even want him to have that. That is what I would really not speaker of the house not anything nothing in relation to um, power within legislation of any group of citizens of this country ever again ever Mm -hmm. and 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 i feel the same about anyone who helped and abated him at any point at any stage at any time that is how i feel that that would be my dream right there and that doesn't mean that we've solved the problem and it doesn't mean that we've even cut off the head of the snake, but at least these people, at least those, the ones that we see, that we've seen do these things and we've seen uh, just add to all the harm that was already being done. At least if those people, maybe it would, maybe it would give them, pa- give others pause. Um, and maybe it would be something for the American people to, to, you know, those who still support him to actually really recognize and see. I think there needs to be something where the country sits back, back and says, oh, okay, now I understand. Now I see. Now, you know, and, and also for, for historical purposes, I just need it on the books. I need that for my own peace of mind. I don't know that we'll get it, but that is, you know, if I get that at least, I, I, you know, the rest of it would just be, you know, gravy. As gravy. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Like I said, it would be nice. I don't, I don't even know what him being in prison would look like, like what kind of facility, you know, could he be sent to all of those things? Like, you know, just not be able to hold office anywhere of any kind, run any kind of charity, which for him would be scam. And, you know, like being just, broke, destitute, needing, you know, like, um, government services. Oh my God. That would be, (laughs) that would be phenomenal. Could you imagine the change, the change in the tone of what, what, what the GOP talks about legislating? Oh my God. That would be beautiful. Entitlements and yeah. Tell him to pull pull himself up by his, uh, by his bootstraps. Hey, I did it. You can do it too. (laughs) And it's not because of it. They wouldn't be doing it to protect him or to aid him in any way. They would be doing it because they don't know whether or not they will end up in the same situation, depending on how they're operating. So that would be the thing. That would be the thing. Oh, that would be perfect. 
I know, but you know, a girl can dream. I don't know. I'll take whatever they they're willing to to give us in any attempt to hold us accountable. And I think that um, you know, the people that are there um, in the the top leadership positions, they certainly recognize the peculiar peculiarness of this situation, and um, will you know seek to find the best remedies for you know, our country, um, and our democracy. So, um, do, uh, Dr. Marshall has come up. I'm going to let her go. And then Blue, if that's okay with you, Blue, I'm so glad you came up to join us. I was hoping uh, that you were feeling up to it today. I'm glad to see you here and look forward to hearing from you. How are you? Um, good afternoon. I am fine. At least I was until, I heard, I'm not sure if it was Soul Sister who said um, he could have some, you know, government assistance or something. I don't want to pay him one half a cent. I don't want any money. <laughs> well, that was me that said that. Oh, but well, yeah, I want him to need it. I, you know, I didn't say give it to oh, okay, him, but okay. I mean... <laughs> Clean it up. <laughs> Thank you. Clean it up. I don't want him taking one little quarter or a penny, you know. He I'm, can get denied can, like all the other people exactly. that they're denying. He can get all those wooden nickels my grandmother and other adults told me about. And then he can go drift off wherever as long as it's you know, he could actually put him in a boat and just take away the oars and let him go. I have no use for him. We none of us do. Beyond that, um, I agree with everything I've heard. Um, I'm not sure if um, any of you were still listening um, to some of the different commentators, but there was an additional, I think, 100 pages of um, documents that the media received. And so there's more information that will probably be published later today, as well as uh, discussed on whatever network, all of the networks, but, yeah, they and they did say also that um, the full report. I can't remember what article I read that in, but uh, they would give the hearing today. That you know, the present that, but their documents would not actually be released until Wednesday. So some journalists may have you know early access to portions of it. But I do think uh, that they are going to be releasing the entire document. Um, you know, it will be available to the public. And my understanding is that they will be releasing 98 percent of their material. And that I heard from one of the committee members, I think, uh, Zoe Lofren. Um, so right. um, go ahead. But I think that what I heard was that there were additional pages to what. Well, let me rephrase that information that they released to the media and the public today, they didn't cover everything, but they covered what was most significant and what they will release on 
Wednesday will be to the summary of the entire year and a half. Um, re regardless, we will get more information than we have, even though we have a lot already. And I'm like you, I am ready for a vacation from all of this. I just need somebody to pay for it. And I'm not looking to the yellow-headed man, the orange-headed man, because he wants my money and yours. But I'm also very happy. I don't know if you saw my post today. Um, I wish I had been able to attend, but never in the history of Central Park have they given a name to any of the entrances. But today they had a name um, celebration for one of the entrances. I believe it's the one closest to 110th Street. And it's being called, I can't remember the name right now, but it's being named in honor of the Central Park Five. All of the men were supposed to be there today as they put up this sign. So that is a wonderful tribute to them and a great, great, I can't say great often enough, great slap in the face to Donald, who, you know who, because he took out a full-page ad encouraging the police to arrest these young men, and he just bashed them right after this incident happened. They might not have been um, arrested and convicted had it not been for him and all of his machinations. So yeah, I wish, as I said, I had been able to go, but I definitely will be looking for all of the pictures that I can find in the Amsterdam News and other local papers that might have covered it. I think that's a really fitting tribute in addition to monies that the city has already paid them or is continuing to pay them. I know that they did win money. I just don't know if it was all paid at one time or being dished out. Beyond that, um, I also want to add my happy holidays to everyone in the space and those who might be listening via their computers. Have fun, relax. Normally I would say don't eat too much, but I'm going to say eat all that is prepared. Just have a, <clears throat> excuse me, just have a good time. Eat a little bit for me. Um, I'm eating well, but um, I am still recovering from vocal injections, so I have to just be a little bit careful in what I eat. Somebody posted this morning about um, lima beans and rice and cheesecake and cranberry something cake. My mouth was watering 
and there was no cake in my house. But I did have some oatmeal cookies, so I think I ate them all. I'm going to have to get dressed and go out because I have nothing else sweet to munch on. Anyway, guys, it's been a great year. And for me, the year is ending well. I hope it's ending as well for all of you. Take well, care. thank you. All right, Dr. Marshall, thank you so much for taking time out of um, your day today uh, and all the other days and times that you have come in to join us, uh, whether you have come up to speak or to, you know, just listen. Uh, your presence is always felt and appreciated. I'm, I'm humbled um, by your um your presence in our community and your contributions. So I will definitely um, go to your page and check that out. And I appreciate it. And it's another good reminder. I don't know if um, everyone was here when I said it, but I'm very pleased to know that the United States Postal Service will be issuing a stamp for the late great representative John Lewis. And here um, in Nashville, they already uh, named um, a street after him. In fact, I think it's lovely that we have a, a GOP supermajority, but you know, all of their addresses contain uh, uh, John Lewis <laughs> Parkway. So they've got to acknowledge him every time they put their information out there. So a stamp is so fitting. And, um, you know, I, I just wanted to remind people of that. And, yeah. uh, I will be getting yes. them. <laughs> Let me also encourage everyone else to buy at least, <clears throat> excuse me, to buy at least one, but try to buy one page. I collect stamps and I've tried to purchase all of the African-American stamps. But one of the things I know is that they will sell well during the first 30 days, typically. And then after that, they don't sell as well as people either don't know they're available or they forget. But definitely, the more you buy, the more likely it is that the post office will continue to not only publish stamps in honor of African-Americans. They've published some for Latinx, for Native Americans, Indigenous, and a couple of other groups I don't remember offhand. But if you have to buy a stamp, please ask for one of the ethnic stamps that you might want to support. And that's a very good, um, very good advice, Dr. Marshall. And I, when I do have to purchase them, I always ask. Uh, and it's important, like you said, that we continue to buy them because over time, what I found is that the you know local branches will you know not even you know carry them. So I I try to do that as frequently as I can. So thank you for that reminder as well. And up next, we've got oh, I lost Sean. Um, Blue, go ahead, and I'm going to see if Sean can come back up. 
Yeah, and I'm sorry, I, I can see Mark was throwing some emojis up. He may be back to just real quickly. I have a bit of concern that before he could actually be um, held to account, uh, the uh, number 45 may, uh, as we've seen other dictators across the world, they often try and find refuge in other countries. He left New York to go to Florida, and uh, DeSantis has made it clear that uh, he will not be, um, it's not that he would not protect him there, but he will be a political rival. So um, I just wouldn't be surprised if he were to go somewhere that doesn't have extradition and continue to grift off of those people who are who are his uh, acolytes. But um, one thing I would like to see is an accounting of how much money that family and all of their uh, cronies have managed to grift off of the American public. Um, oh, let speaking, alone of, for- speaking of money, mm-hmm. Allie, I'm sorry to jump in, but my brain is sure. kind of working like this today. I don't know <laughs> if I can hold it. Um, we know that they're going to be working to try to shift and change the narrative and all of their antics. I would like us to remember the amount of money, our money, that's being spent on these unnecessary, you know, farcical, you know, cases and and committees and that kind of thing. So, you know, because they always want to talk about not spending money on certain things. But, you know, every time they're in, they waste tons of money. How much money was wasted on Benghazi? And you can be assured that they're going to try to do the same thing with the Hunter Biden laptop, all of this stuff, it costs us money. And every time they try to bring bogus cases and and things like this, that's what we need to be pushing back as part of our narrative on them too. So sorry, go ahead. And all all the family members making money off of all those contracts and different things they did with world leaders. And also even just the direct things that were charged to like for secret service at trump hotels you know the, the the people that were required to stay in trump hotels different things i mean the grift has been just spectacularly uh overt yeah and, and they had the they time. had uh that secret service for i think you know a long time uh at least six months uh they being you know his daughter uh and son-in-law for about six months after they left, you know, so it's like, you don't want to take a salary, but you don't mind wasting our money, you know, for, you know, your protection. But many of them, I find that I could not stand now because of their behavior have become targets and we're still paying for them, you know? So sorry, go ahead. Oh, that's it. Just, um, I think though, the direct billing to, to the U.S. government by Trump facilities, for for example, the Secret Service had to pay to stay at Mar-a-Lago and stuff like that. I mean, it's just uh, beyond comprehension almost. But I'd love to see the dollar amounts. How much did these people enrich themselves while they were in contact with this administration? It's going. It continues to go on today with Boebert and, and to, to whatever, all of them. Uh, but uh, they, eventually they run out of money, like uh, Giuliani and different people, for the actual legal defense. And that's when you see these trading cards and this level of, you know, just almost, uh, I was going to say pitiful, but it's not pitiful. It's just disgusting because they continue to to feed off the this most- This wave of karma. The, 
Yeah, well, uh, yeah. <laughs> and people who have been influenced to an extent that they would continue to give them money. It's it's astounding. So anyway, I'll stop there. But thank you so much. And uh, lovely holiday wishes to all of you as well. And thank you so much for all your hard work and everyone in this group and the collective of people that have come together. This um, absolutely beautiful group of of highly intelligent and devoted individuals who have worked together in this process thank you so much it's been such a joy to meet all of you well likewise blue we have loved having you we're glad that you found us here in this community and yes mark is back so uh mark did anyone dm you the question tiff kind of threw a question out there on the table do what do you think the possibility basically of all of the Trump shenanigans and everything uh, because he you know he has many crimes in many ways um, being possible to be um, kind of pulled together in a RICO type of charge? Well, um, well, RICO is something different. So RICO is a you know it's 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 a financial crime so it's a it, it's a criminal enterprise that has a that the the um the one six the the conspiracy is the closest thing to the rico that to a RICO, a federal rico case that could occur so that conspiracy to defraud the united states is the closest as far as elements are concerned elements meaning there are little cups that in every criminal case whether it be a simple battery or it's the most complex kind of case, like a RICO case, that the prosecutors or the district attorney or the attorney general, they have to fill these cups with water, if you consider water evidence, and they have to fill the cups. How high they fill the cups is the power of the evidence. They can fill the cup and have it overflow. That's great for the prosecutor. But any amount of evidence that they fill it with is great too. So the conspiracy case is the closest thing, like the stop the steal financial like grift, that is something that uh, they would sh- they should be considering on on the basis of RICO. And, and the, the the power of the RICO case is that you're allowed to admit evidence, um, or, or you're allowed to admit evidence or, or admit stuff into evidence that other if it if it were just an individual case like fraud, you wouldn't be able to admit this evidence because it um, the RICO case. It's like almost like establishing that a crime exists. You can use predicate events that occur, or predicate crimes, or things like you know, like things like hearsay can come in on RICO cases, and and like you know, establish and like you know, the the, the young thug and and Gunner case and everything like that, that. The state RICO cases, they can admit hearsay or even other kinds of events that occur into that case without proving they actually even happened, or they you know, w- without the w- without um, they can admit that evidence in, into the into um, uh, into the record. So the likelihood of, of there being a RICO case is large, but RICO cases take like you know they take like two to three years, and I don't think we have two to three years to establish uh, a, a racketeering case unless they've already been doing it. Um, if they've already been doing it, it should be wrapping up. Um, so the likelihood that we'll see something like a federal RICO case out of, of Stop the Steal movement. Or anything like that is is uh, pretty much close to nil because uh, we just had World Cup and I like that word nil, um, but that was one of the best World Cups I ever seen in my life, by the way. Um, but um, the conspiracy to defraud the United States is a very strong case on its own. Um, so um, uh, again, just, uh, hopefully, directly answer Tip's case. 
Um, I don't think we're going to see anything like a Rico case, unless they've already been working on it. Um, you know, and I've, I haven't heard that they've been working on anything close to Rico. I think conspiracy is uh, conspiracy to defraud is one of the strongest uh, referrals and also something they've probably been working with also. Um, what we should look to see and what we, we what you should expect to see uh, once this thing starts moving um, to see, number one, people being subpoenaed, these different players being subpoenaed to the grand jury in D.C. Now that it's a criminal referral, now, now it's a criminal case, you're going to see less opposition to these subpoenas that are going to higher courts because you don't have you don't have those rights. The these subpoenas that go to Congress, they can they can play with these privileges and everything like that. Not when it goes to the grand jury. You saw it stop when when it came to Cipollone and, and the other uh, White House counsel when they got subpoenaed to the D.C. Circuit. Um, all that appeal shit stopped, right? They 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 testify for ten hours between them. Um, and that testimony was pretty significant. Um, what that tells me, and, that, and that's and that's really, we're at the final stages. What that tells me, when when the attorneys, the White House counsel, get subpoenaed, uh, what two three weeks ago, to testify in front of the um, D.C. Um, grand jury, what that tells me is we're getting very close to um, the the federal prosecutor saying, "This is the law. This is what I want to happen." Um, at some point without the grand jury just saying it out loud. They, they might even already have it. They might already, already have indictments, but if there's more evidence coming in, you definitely want to hold off the indictment, even if the grand jury wants to. Like, There's more stuff coming in. So they might have been waiting for uh, the, the uh, January 6th committee to make their referral and see where their evidence coincides, um, interpolates, and also um, bolsters some of the arguments or some of the evidence they've already presented to the grand jury. In the form of, like I was discussing before, they have sworn testimony that th these folks don't even have to come and testify before the grand jury again because they've already given sworn testimony. So now the grand juries might be going through that, not today because they just made the referral, but in the next few weeks. We're de definitely going to take us beyond this last Congress into the next Congress, um, which is a whole nother, you know, ball game, right? Two different uh, Congresses. Um, so, but what we're going to start to see when the action starts, you know, when it's action Jackson time, um, we're going to start to see uh, indictments at, at around Donald Trump more significantly than we ever seen before. Um, even as close to his family as, in, uh, you know, we're going to start seeing Giuliani um, uh, type uh, indictments and, and, and we're going to start seeing Sidney Powell indictments and, and, and that, that crazy dude, I forgot, Lynn, Lynn, whatever his name is. Um, he, he, that dude was absolutely nuts. Oh, Michael Lindell. Yeah. And him and the, no, the pillow guy. No, not just the pillow guy, but the other attorney, uh, the, that, that his law firm oh. disassociated with themselves with him. They're like, uh, oh, I know. Um, his reads like his whole law firm and the whole law firm of Reed Smith had to disassociate themselves with a couple of attorneys. And, uh, they're not, you know, no major law firm is going to represent anybody associated with Trump. Uh, it's just bad for business. And it's also like, you know, just, just crazy law stuff. They were trying to promote. Um, and, and also there's these understories that are happening about this legal conspiracy to um, copy the voting machines that they were trying to say they were trying to gain access to the voting code, the voting machine codes. But they were it was in, in a nefarious way. They were actually not trying to gain access for stop the steal purposes. They're trying to gain access for copying it 
for future purposes. That's another story that's starting to develop right now. Um, that you know, you know, you you looked at it and you're like, why you guys need the, you know, why you guys need to go in there and copy the voting machines? Like, what are you doing with that information? Um, so th- that's also happening too. But that's like an understory. I think we'll see more develop with that. But primarily um, with regard to Rico, no Rico conspiracy, uh, and we're we're going to start to see indictments happen. On, on, with the uh, with with the folks surrounding them, because what the Department of Justice wants to do is make it easy for themselves. They have the power to do it because once you're indicted, once you're charged, that's their best chance to to deal with it. As the case goes on, you don't have any more chances. There's different levels when you get charged by the federal government. Um, your first, if you're if you are cooperative, you're going to get the best deal. If you wait to the end, you're not getting the best deal. That's that's simple when it comes to federal charges. So when we start seeing these indictments of lower level people, some people we may not even even heard of at this point and their names and what they did are in evidence. We're going to start to hear about this stuff. Um, and I expect to start hearing about this stuff pretty soon. If you don't expect if you don't hear about this stuff within the next month or two, then it's a time to be worried about, you know, exactly what's going on. How much time, you know, what are we waiting for? I, I just don't think with the amount of evidence that is sworn testimony that we have right now, I don't think Merrick Garland's going to wait. I, I don't think he's going to, he's not going to wait till 2024 to bring this stuff. And, and he, they, they've got to do it in Q1 2023 for it to have an impact on anything that happens to change behavior for 2024, because not only holding a, holding these people accountable is one of the most important things that can happen with regard to our democracy but changing the behavior so it doesn't happen again in this next election cycle is paramount. Um, and that's something that um, I expect that the Department of Justice is going to do. That's why Joe Biden has like, you know, say, hey, you do your thing and giving them that kind of freedom and not political directive so that they can start holding people accountable with, without anybody on their back and saying, hey, let's do this. But I'm pretty sure Joe Biden's like, Merritt, come on, blood. Let's get it cracking, right? <laughs> I think we all are, you know, but, you know, I don't think Jack is dragging his feet at all, but thank you for clarifying some of those things, Mark. Um, So uh, Tiff may be able to come back in. She had a conference call like you, and I just love that you guys take time out of your very busy day, your very busy lives uh, to come and conversate with us, uh, to teach us. And, and, to, and allow us all to learn together. Yeah. And to, and to your point um, about Jack, Jack is like, come on, like a gangbuster, man. That dude is like, you know, he's on he's on the briefs. So, you know, we came in right at the tail end of that, uh, of the Mar-a-Lago case, and he was filing stuff with his name on it. Uh, it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't the normal filing. He's like, hey, let's get, let's get it cracking. <laughs> Right. He put his like on a holiday or the right. day before or something yeah, like he, that. Thanksgiving, like he, <laughs> he didn't even let 24 hours yeah, pass. He, he, ate, he had some turkey in his mouth and he's writing a letter to the 11th Circuit Court of Appeal. I mean, like, you know, I mean, that, that if you don't think he's doing some work, man, like when's the last time you wrote a business letter to the 11th Circuit Court of Appeal with some turkey in your mouth and some stuff and some cranberry sauce? You know, he, he, he like, you know, he probably spilt it on the paper. And but but but, uh, you know. He scanned it and faxed it anyway and filed it with the cranberry sauce. You know, that, that's some powerful, that's a powerful letter when you got cranberry sauce on your letter and you're filing it before the 11th Circuit. 
man, you, you mean business when you got cranberry sauce in your letter. I'm going to tell you that right now. Don't ever argue with anybody or tell anybody they ain't doing their work and they got cranberry sauce in their letter. Now, we don't know if he had actual cranberry sauce, but I'm thinking he did because can't nobody work on Thanksgiving to have some of the sauce on the letter. Okay, really? <laughs> so, <laughs> and I um, agree with you. He, you know, he was working and eating, celebrating and still continuing to do his job. And he pretty much made the statement that um, he was, um, you know, he had his team and, you know, teams in place and things and he didn't see any reason um, to be slowed down that like basically I don't need any catch up to getting up to speed kind of things you know things are going to stay in motion you know and what we've seen not only are they staying in motion but they're they're actually ramping up so I'm um, looking forward to him you know working and doing what he does uh, uh, DB is up I'm going to give him an opportunity and Sean if you I don't know. There's a few weird things happening. So you guys forgive me. But uh, DB, go ahead. Hey, how you doing that, D and everyone in the room? It's been a while. I've been away for a little bit, but it's good to get in and listen while I work. So thank you all for that. And Mark, and thanks uh, so much for that lesson. Um, I would add, I would not be surprised if they're doing Rico in the background. That may not be their main, but I would not be surprised because if I, if I remember correctly, isn't that how they got Al Capone? They had tried almost anything. They got him off of Rico. It is indeed. And, <clears throat> and me, we know this guy has not been clean with his money in taxes. So. No, uh-uh, <laughs> not at all. There's so much that you could get them on, but I wouldn't be surprised if that's in the background. And I got on... One is because I am so happy that they are honoring John Lewis uh, with a stamp. And just a little bit of background. My ex used to be an ad, ad, avid stamp collector. I think it's called a philatelist or something like that. So we used to go to all of these ceremonies. And it was so fun because I got to meet uh, Mrs. Dorothy Height. I got to meet all of these people when they did like an African-American stamp. And Mrs. Marshall was correct. When we go in, we have to ask for these stamps because the more we ask for them, the more they're going to recognize different people. And even if it goes back to, because the last time I've been to the post office, I used to go after hours and weigh my own stuff, but they need to even have the stamps in the machine or the automatic. They need to have it so it's offered. So when we go and let's do that. And also, D, with that, did they say where the where they were going to honor him? Did they give the city? I have not seen that yet, uh, but okay. it. I'm thinking probably um, in Georgia. Yeah, I was thinking Atlanta because if it is, yes, because um, the. Um, the representative who took his place is the one who tweeted it. That's how I first saw it. Okay, Representative Williams. Yes. Okay. You know, so, real quick. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I'm not gonna. I, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but like you said something to me, and I, I used to. I when I was a little kid, I connect. I collected stamps, mm-hmm. and it, I, I never had a black stamp though. I never. Okay. So you got a bunch of little kids now. They got these black stamps. Can you talk? About, can you talk about that a little bit? That's important, man. 
Yeah, but what it is, I took I, actually when D talked, I went into the guest room and I took a picture of this frame that I have on my wall <laughs> that had Mary McLeod Bethune and stuff like that. And what happens, because if you're able to go to one of these ceremonies, it is great. So what happens, they honor the person, they give you a booklet, the people who come there to honor him will sign the booklet for you. So I would not be surprised if they maybe have the Boy Scouts, uh, Girl Scouts, or a club there to help honor John Lewis. And if I find out that it's in Atlanta, I will go because I would love to go there. And I don't know how to use the Jumbotron because I would upload the picture, but I don't know how to do that. So Is it on I'm, your timeline, DB? I, I can do it right now. Put okay, it I'll on put your it on timeline. timeline. And then mm -hmm. I'll put it up there in the Jumbotron. But thank you so much. And I love these stories because, you know, stamp collecting is something, you know, that was a hobby in, in my day. Not a lot of right. people do that anymore because, you know, now we have emails. So. Email. They <laughs> it's, a, it's a, you know, it's a great ceremony. And I got to meet a lot of different people and learn a lot of history by just, and I was not the stamp collector. I just went. And the, and the thing was, the only thing was, if I got extras, I kept all the Black American people. <laughs> I'm like, those are mine. <laughs> I'm keeping those. But it is great. I'll put it in my timeline. And uh, that just brought back memories when you brought that up. So I just wanted to weigh in on that. Well, thank you. Um, I was so happy to see that, you know, yes. how I feel about him. Just overjoyed. I can't wait. So I love these um, personal stories. And yeah. I'll, now I'll be looking for the ceremonies, um, you know, more information about it. And anyone that in the community that finds that information, if you could share it with us, that would be lovely. And Dr. Marshall, I believe you spurred um, her to speak um, you know, mm -hmm. as a historian and probably someone who can relate um, to stamps and, and the history and that sort of thing. So, Dr. Marshall, you have the floor. Um, yes. Um, with regard to the ceremony, it's typically in the city where the person, city or state, where the person was born. I don't know 100%, but I'm almost certain it will be in Atlanta because that's where, that's not where John Lewis was born, but it's where he spent the majority of his, most of his life. So and the place would, he represented in Congress. Right. So I'm thinking Atlanta, but if not Atlanta, then it could be, he was born in Tennessee, right? No, um, no. he got his civil rights training here. I think his family is from actually Alabama. Right, I think I read that too. The second thing is, um, they give great programs and it's a printed program and the people who are speakers, when the program is over, they will sign the program if you ask them to so that you will be able to leave with, um, they also will give out um an envelope which has the 
first issue already canceled, so it'll be an envelope with his stamp on it, and it will be canceled already and say first day issue. Uh, You'll be able to buy other stamps or other other, other of his stamps in addition to other Black American stamps. And if you're lucky, you might be able to take home the large poster that they will have. When the space is over, I will take a picture of the Martin Luther King Jr. poster that I have. They issued the Martin Luther King Jr. stamp at Riverside Church here in New York. I was in attendance, and I have first-day issue cancellation envelopes, and I stay to the very end, like really almost the very end when they're cleaning up, because as the previous speaker mentioned, there are so many people there that you didn't expect, and you just get to meet wonderful, famous people and some maybe not so famous, but whose name you might have heard of, depending on where the stamp is released. So I have, over the years, collected a lot of stamps. They also produce lapel pens with this. They produce the stamp as a lapel pen, and you'll be able to get lapel pens for previous stamps that were issued. I have a lot of those. And um, I believe also the first black stamp issued was either Frederick Douglass or Booker T. Washington. And um, depending on what post office you go to, it will have to be one of the larger ones. You can still get the older stamps, and if not at that particular post office, you can just write to the general post office in Washington and order them. Um, Stamp collecting is really a lot of fun. They have um, small booklets for children, coloring books. They've really done quite a nice job, I would say, for educational materials that teachers and parents can sometimes pick up at the day of the issue or can be ordered. I have picked up just about anything they gave away free and then handed it over to children that I knew or teachers that I knew who uh, were teaching at a particular grade level. So um, I will take a picture of the poster and a picture of some of the envelopes and post it later to this evening or tomorrow on my timeline. Well, thank you so much. That sounds fabulous. So again, um, I love, uh, like I said, that we can get our history in so many different ways. and the fact that um, representation matters, you know, when when we're here, 
um, and that um, it's remembered, um, that representation, you know, the history of it and the importance of it is not allowed to die. Um, so could, could I add something? Dee? Sure. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, go I just ahead. responded and I sent the picture that I had on my wall. And Miss Mary, I would love to see that. And you're gonna have me going through going through envelopes <laughs> in my office because I'll try to do the same. Thank you. Um, I, you know, one of the things I just want to throw this out there because it it really applies to all of us. We tend to think that something that we're doing or become passionate about started with us. That's what I thought when I started collecting stamps. But as I also started to go through papers that my ancestors, my grandmother and my uncle in particular kept, I just found all these envelopes where my grandmother and my uncle collected stamps. And some of them were brand new. Others were have been cut off of envelopes. So I actually have quite a large collection, some of which is in the archive. But um, I was a little bit disappointed when I found out I wasn't the first in my family. But it was okay because it just expanded my knowledge of the world and of them, who they were, what they were interested in. So... Um, DB, when you go through the envelopes in your office, that's one way of collecting stamps. If, you know, it's a stamp that you're interested in. My uncle collected stamps from all over the world, and so did my grandmother. And um, there, I didn't even know about some houses, if you will, in New York City that actually sold stamps having nothing to do with the post office. That was just their business. They sold stamps from all over the world. So I have um, a receipt from when my neither my, my uncle or my grandmother bought all of these stamps. This was just stuff I had no clue that they were into. So check those drawers that they told you not to go into, um, those books that they said don't touch. I'm sure that most of you in this space, as a kid, experienced your mother, your father, your grandmother, some older person saying, you can look, but you can't touch, or I will open it for you. I had a lot of that in my childhood. It's a good thing that they didn't let me touch it then, because I didn't understand the value of it. So I'm happy that They kept it, preserved it, and now I get to put it in the archive so that anyone wanting to do research on it or look at it will be able to do that. Thank you for allowing me to run my mouth again. By the way, this is good exercise for my vocal cords. Well, I am glad that we allowed you to do something that was good for you <laughs> and and to um, help you because whenever you speak, uh, I think that you're doing something good for us. So um, I am glad. And like I said, I just 
love to hear you tell these, you know, snippets of um, history and the stories and the things behind it, because I am a bit of a history nerd. And part of that is also my love of politics, because as I say all the time, what's going on here in our politics today becomes history tomorrow. You know, our political uh, leaders today become historical figures later on. So, um, and we know people here, uh, there's a group of people who has a penchant for changing, erasing, or whitewashing the history. So I like for us to talk about it, make record of it, and never forget it so that, you know, we know the truth and that it's not changed and that we understand it with with depth, you know. So I just, like I said, love when you can come in and share with us from that perspective. And um, Blue, did you have your hand up? I can't remember you were telling me about Mark. I didn't, but um, I noticed Sean's there, but I, I just wondered, um, I just, you know, a lot of us uh, who are in this space happen to also be artists, and Mark um, is, is quite an accomplished artist. I would just like to note that the art of stamps is something that throughout the world has been widely regarded. Um, and then, of course, here in Paris, they have a whole stamp market where people come on Sunday mornings and they exchange stamps. And they have things that are hundreds of years old. Um, the first stamps are, you know, were, were long, long ago, a thousand years ago, Byzantine times or Babylonia, I guess, something like that. But anyway, as we go on into an electronic world, the actual physical articles that exists um, that we need to continue to treasure, such as printed books, stamps, original art, things that are not made with electronics that will go on in their physical form. Um, the art that has been protected from our ancestors that has been preserved, those things are precious. So I was just, that's what I was thinking about when Dr. Marshall was talking about uh, the, the stamps that you found. Yeah, there. absolutely. Art um, is precious and we need to continue <laughs> to, to mm -hmm. cherish that so just uh, we're living in an electronic world but our reality and the beauty of it the beauty of the earth and how it's represented is, is a gift that we've also been given so thank you you know Art, what I was um, thinking oh, go ahead I'm sorry it's oh. so I'm going to give you an opportunity I'm going to yield to you and then um, I'll chime in I was just thinking about um, when Dr. Marshall was talking about, uh, you know, letters being uh, preserved from generations past. And I was thinking of how often we take mail out of the envelope and just toss the envelope. And I'm thinking all of the stamps I've probably lost over the years. And um, I don't know, there's there's significance in understanding what we consider um, treasure or waste and um with everything becoming electronic we do have to kind of have a different perspective on things as far as preserving history and why it's important and uh that's what i really appreciate when dr marshall comes up because she dr marshall you give me the the opportunity to reframe things in my mind and um it's important and necessary especially while I have time to change that habit or, you know, teach my, my son to, you know, why certain things are important. E even if, you know, it's something that I never knew that I should know, 
you know, or think about. And I appreciate every time you you um, take the opportunity to come up and share with us. So, yeah. Absolutely. And I love what Allie said, the fact that yes. it is an art to it. And, um, you know, I spent a lot of time in Germany and one of the places that I had an opportunity to go to was um, the uh, to visit the museum for the uh, for the press, the printing press, um, which um, was developed there. And again, you know, this is history, it's art and art often changes the world. Um, One of my collectibles or things that I like in some of my travels is. Um, pottery, ceramics and things, because they, you know, how many times, you know, you know, on digs and things, people dig those things up. They, they tell, um, they are beautiful, but they also tell um, history at a point in time, what people used, how they used it, the materials um, and everything. So art is important, which takes me back to, you know, the push or, you know, the depart- on the Department of Education, how there has just been a relentless push to remove arts and humanities and, and now the basic science and, you know, truthful history. It's dangerous, but, you know, all of those things are important because art um, helps, you know, tell our history and preserve it as well, too. And it's important, you know, it feeds our soul. And we are human beings after all and that part of us does need to be fit so um i don't think i have anyone else um i did uh, i was able to find that um tweet from the uh congresswoman uh, that i put up in the nest uh nakima williams and i put that up there i was looking at your timeline db i'm trying to find your post i haven't seen it yet like I said, Twitter is acting a little strange, but I can continue to add things in the thread, and I definitely will. I have been, you know, very, um, I have enjoyed this, you know, kind of historical aspect of stamp collecting and those things, um, just in reference to, you know, an icon being honored in this way. So I thank all of you for contributing in your conversations today, certainly about the January 6th, you know, committee hearings and all of the things that are going on. And, um, everyone who has, you know, come in and provided such um, beautiful thoughts and and, uh, great holiday wishes. And I would like to extend the same to all of you. And, oh, I do have um, someone who I did invite and uh, she was busy. So I'm going to give her an opportunity to speak and then um, give you guys just extend the round one more time. If you're down there listening or you're here uh, on the stage already and you would like some final thoughts before we close out. I would love to give you an opportunity to do that. And like I said, just uh, ask you to to continue to do what you need to do to protect your peace. Enjoy this holiday season, um, you know, however it is that you celebrate it. And um, just be kind and look for kind people. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, Davina, how are you, my dear? So glad you joined us today. I'm so good, and I'm so glad you glad I joined. It's lovely to see you all. I wish I'd remembered earlier because I could have got off straight after I finished my broadcast about half an hour ago. Um, but, yeah, I was doing a live. I was just watching the, the January 6th hearing, essentially, mostly in silence, and then just typing out some commentary. And I'm glad that they have put forward the charges. So it's nice to be here to celebrate, and I'll soon drop back down to listener and, 
hear what everyone else have to say. Um, I did say I always feel a little uneasy just because I know that they use these things as inflection points to incite violence uh, amongst their followers. But, you know, fingers crossed, touch wood, they won't incite violence. Uh, it's never a, a done deal. It's always up to the individual heart and conscience of the people who choose to believe or disbelieve in uh, Trump Trump and his allies' uh, violence inciting rhetoric. Um, I do like that people could see uh, Elon Musk sitting with Jared Kushner to sort of see how that wealthy elite uh, are often working together, even when they're not open about their alliances, but that they, they do all have an effective coalition. Right. We need to watch all of these people. And just a word of caution, there's, you know, there's a few names I'd like us not to mention too much because, you know, we're on his oh, app yes. and, the, you know, it, he's very erratic. <laughs> OK, so just I, just I keep that in mind. And, and, <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, he really is. It's very dangerous. His, his behavior is very um, erratic. And like I said, we are just... Um, not only him, but, you know, these other um, business people, politicians, you know, um, and um, people, uh, influencers and uh, our political influencers are revving up uh, because, you know, I feel like the judicial screws are tightening. So their behavior is going to become more dangerous. So we need to be aware. And again, like I said, because our fight for our democracy has really only just begun. Uh, with this past midterm election, we just simply kept it from going off the cliff. Um, but it's still in danger. And um, I just want us to be ever cognizant of that. Um, so thank you so much. Um, but go ahead and continue, Davina. I just wanted to put that in the ether. That was that, an important yeah. message. I, I'd <clears throat> taken it on board. I was on the Twitter space that evening after a lot of journalists were um, fairly arbitrarily suspended off the platform. And and it was exciting and as well as being scary in that moment because it did make the ground feel more uncertain under your feet to say there is no cause, there is no rule of, there there is no, there are no set of rules being followed here. We are at the, the whim of of a tyrant with thin skin and then he himself the petty despot uh <laughs> appeared on the this twitter space if you get a chance to listen to it it was funny because all these journalists whose account had been suspended had found a loophole that they could still appear on twitter spaces so they were able mm -hmm. to ask him i think one question before he then left in a half and the comedy yeah. of it was was um, a bizarre counterpoint to the the sort of fear and uncertainty that I was feeling in that moment. So, just interesting. Yeah, that's all. That's all. That's my plane landed. Just um, I I totally endorse your message, D. Of our fight is just a, it's not over, as John Lewis would say. It's a it's an eternal um fight, but this mm -hmm. era really is an intense era of of decent people needing to do the work to make our coalition as mm -hmm. it can be to combat the, the sort of invisible, the invisibility of their very broad coalition across the board because mm -hmm. the, the self-interested libertarians have joined forces with the the theocratic um, dominionists who, who in, aspire to making America better by making America more subservient to 
to white Christianity. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, they they have many um, different interests, um, but most of them all intersect at um, their willingness to uh, do away with democracy in order to have their interests served. And that is where the true danger lies for all of us. So thank you so much. Um, and, um, you know, pointing out all the things that you did. So it's important for us to continue to just pay attention. I know pretty much preaching to the choir here. Most of the people are here because they are politically astute and plugged in, you know, tuned in. But, you know, try to spread that message to people who may not be, you know, focus on the things that are important to focus on. Put your energy in the efforts that are um, worthy. Uh-oh, D. I think you faded out. Something weird happened to my phone. That's probably me. I'm not sure if you guys could still hear me. But up next, we've got Graham and... Um, then I'm going to close out. I'm going to give my awesome co-host an opportunity to say some final words and I'll close this out. Graham, how are you today? Oh, I'm doing very, uh, very well. Thank you. I'm officially on uh, break, so I'm on holiday. I've been enjoying the space today. So hello, everyone. Uh, thanks, uh, Dee and Soul Sister, for um, maintaining the space. And I loved... Um, I love listening to the the January sixth hearing today. That was uh, a good um, uh, therapeutic in a way to have that all summarized. And I, you know, uh, Eugene had mentioned, you know, how well it was um, it was run, and I wanted to second that um, as well. It's just really well done, and really um, hopefully, you know, we'll see some results from it. Um, but I did want to mention last week, I, I took off early from one of these spaces and went to a climate um, space and they had a featured speaker, uh, Bill McKibben, and they were speaking about um, an oversight committee and they were releasing documents showing on Big Oil's uh, greenwashing campaign and um, the failure to reduce their emissions. Uh, so I created a little thread. It was about an hour-long space, um, and I'll pop that up, uh, or I'll attach it to this um, uh, to this space. But basically, um, it really went into a lot of detail. Talked about the greenwashing, the harm over the past you know decades, um, and really they had a great action item. And one of the concerns that they found was that the uh, um, a lot of the notes uh, from the report were redacted. And what they're uh, asked, what they wanted to do was to get people to contact their uh, representation uh, to have an unredacted copy uh, provided. Um, they said it could take a few months, so it's something you know you could do in the new year. Um, but basically, it would show all the names of all of these bad actors uh, that have been providing you know the dark money and the disinformation regarding climate and pollution and emissions and all of that. So. It was really uh, a great summary, but to summarize it quickly, they're asking for people um, to demand uh, that unredacted uh, report. It's public information, and uh, they said it would help, you know, expose some of these bad actors. So uh, other than that, I'm uh, having a great holiday. I'm, I'm baking and getting ready for uh, the time to relax and stuff. So I really hope everyone has a wonderful holiday and uh, takes time to 
relax and, and uh, find their little peace of mind and enjoy uh, the friends, family and, and party. And of course, food. <laughs> I'll eat for uh, Dr. Marshall. I'll be eating for you uh, for sure. And um, I hope everyone has a safe and happy holidays. So thank you very much, Dee. And I'll attach that uh, uh, to the room. Thank you, Graham. I appreciate it. Um, so we don't have any more speakers at this particular time. So I'm going to um, start to wind us out. Uh, wind us hey, up. Dee, uh, uh, this is Don. I uh -huh. attached that photo to the NBC uh, tweet about the staff. Oh, okay. All right. I'll, I'll grab that. Thank you for that. Okay. Um, I'm going to go to your page uh, while I give Soul Sister an opportunity to give us some closing words, and I have I, our closeout reading. Thank you so much, Dee. Um, so I just I just put in the nest an article from The Atlantic, and it's titled um, "What It Feels Like When Fascism Starts." It looks like it's a a book promotion, and uh, just thought that it would be interesting for. Uh, people in this room to uh, take a gander at because, of course, that is a lot of what we've been talking about. And also just uh, because of the erratic behavior um, of, of the owner here, uh, this is what it looks like when communications are being disrupted, then you know, that activism is being direct, uh, disrupted. This is what it feels like and looks like. It, it seems innocuous and it seems like a tantrum, but it's also, it's, um, it's very nefarious and dangerous. Uh, for me, my personal uh, feeling around it was, okay, we're a little unstable here and I'm gonna take, I'm gonna just take some time away from the app. And that is exactly what I did did not tune in, did not get on, um, and, and, and discovered that I got a lot more accomplished by not doing that. Um, I'm sure I missed a, quite a bit as well. And, you know, so feeling disconnected, but, but connected but in a different way. But you came back. Yeah, yeah. But you came back. It's still here. You know, exactly. The, the earth didn't explode. Um, right. You know, life went on. And like you said, you actually got some things done. Right, so, yeah. 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 <laughs> But you, we, I, it reminded me of this series that was on, oh, I can't remember. I think it was on Prime, but I'm not sure if it was on another streaming uh, channel or not. And the Man in High, the Man in the High Castle. I don't oh, know. Oh, yes. Yeah, uh, it was Marco, great. I, right? think, I didn't watch the whole thing because oh, it started yeah. getting uh, like a little too scary and realistic for me. Yes. But yeah, that's it. <laughs> yes. Yes. And just how it happened. So these these little things kept happening, but, you know, uh, it ended up changing the entire trajectory of the entire landscape of the entire world. It wasn't just it, it didn't just affect one place or one person or one group. And, and, and that is something that I think that we all have to keep in mind and we all need to be aware of. You know, we all have different ideas about uh, how we think about how a, a, a coalition or um, cooperative group should operate. And I think there ends up being a lot of time spent on the how and 
in the process, we lose sight of the end goal. And we're not always going to always agree about everything. But we all have to keep in mind that we're fighting for the same thing, which is the protection of our democracy. And, and we have to get there. Um, that doesn't mean that uh, the person right next to me is the, my bestest friend in the whole wide world. That means that the person right next to me shares the same goals as what I share and uh, shares the same ethics that I share. And if, if they go about doing it differently than what I'm doing, then obviously I'm going to, you know, work with within a different group, but alongside. And I think that's what we also have to keep in mind here. And we don't stop. And this, this collective community has done very well at maintaining the end objective and uh you know in the midst of all the crazy that has occurred and all of the uh, all of the distractions that have been thrown our way um you know from outside as well as outside of this app as well as inside on this app uh you know i think that it's just important to preserve your own peace, but also remember we're still fighting and we're going to keep fighting. And yeah, every now and then you need to take a break and it's okay. But as long as you come back and join the fight. And that's really, that's, that's really my final thoughts on everything today. Uh, I just, I, I hope that we see some, uh, some type of resolution um, but if, if we don't get the resolution that we're all hoping for, or we're all wanting, or we all feel that we need, it does not mean that, uh, we're going to give up, or at least I know I'm not going to give up. That's just not in my nature. I, I will f work around it. That's what right. I've we done just my have entire to life. Right. Yeah. I mean, just because uh, you have a setback, it doesn't right. mean you give up the fight. And we just, right. like I said, it's important because we still have a very important fight ahead. So it's important that we focus our energy and be cognizant of that, you know, and right. use this opportunity. For me, um, we all put out, um, we invested a lot of time and energy into Absolutely. this midterm election. And when you put out a lot, it's important to replenish the well. Yeah. So um, I say take this time, this moment, this reprieve to um, celebrate the victories we had and replenish your well. Um, fill up um, because it's going to be time for us to get back in the arena really quickly. And we need to be ready um, because they are relentless um, we can't rest and we need no. to be ahead. And I feel like this administration, the work of the DOJ, the January 6th committee um, has um, us with really the wind at our back. You know, they're the fact that they have to come up with the narratives to counter the work that we're doing. I like them in that position as opposed to us being out here trying to counter putting lots of time and energy countering crazy narratives. Let us set the narrative and let's, you know, keep our focus on, you know, that narrative, what it is um, mm -hmm. and the truth. And when they're trying to twist it, spin it, uh, call it out for what it is. And certainly when they're wasting our money to do it, we need to be calling that out. So absolutely. But I'm all glad right. to be in this fight with you, Dee. That's all. I just really wanted you to know that.
I appreciate Aww. you, and I'm I'm glad to be here with you doing it. Well, thank you. Um, likewise, I, I love um, having you here as a co-host and getting to know you um, as I have gotten to know so many of the wonderful fighters uh, and defenders of democracy. I tell you, I, I am grateful and humbled um, by the people who share my my, you know, beliefs to the extent that we need a healthy, thriving democracy and we need actively engaged citizens and they're willing to be one of them and to be an example of that. So I want to thank you all. Um, and I, you know, I'm so happy that um, we all came together. And I do believe, you know, no matter what happens on this app, we will continue to come together. We may disperse for a bit, but we will come together again. I have that faith and, and that belief because we have and understand what our mission is. So we're gonna continue to do the work and we will find each other. So um, thank you, Soul Sister, for that. And we had an opportunity for Khalil, who I know has been traveling. I've kind of been out of spaces, so I haven't been in a space with you for a while. Such an honor to have you here and a great um, day for you to come up um, and close us uh, out or, you know, speak to us before we close out. So great timing. How are you? Hi, Dean. Hello, everyone. And, uh, <clears throat> I'm sorry. I'm, something's going on with my throat. But, uh, oh, um, I'm sorry. Of doing two things and trying to listen at the same time. Um, again, hello everyone, and hi, Dia. It's good to be here. Um, I, I, I came in on the tail end uh, of the discussion, um, looking for a little nourishment, um, which is how I I see the the time that we spend together. I was I just really want, and I'm going to be certainly brief for me, but I, I want to. Just say that, uh, first of all, wish everyone um, uh, a healthy and safe holiday um, in this entire season, um, that people, you know, are able to, you know, stay safe and, you know, retain their health and or get healthier or whatever um, they find necessary. Um, but I, I just wanted to extend that to a community in which I've uh, spent a fair amount of time, a time in the people whom I've come to really care about and, and frankly love. So I do want to do that. That's really the main reason I came up. But I also want to just reaffirm that the anxiousness and the anxiety and the, just the, the kind of negativity that's been um, throughout this app over the last couple of weeks. Um, it's really not something for us to be overly concerned about. And and what I mean by that, without sounding Pollyannish, is we're going to be okay. You know, um, we know uh, we're not surprised by the, the behavior, the attitude of people in power, people of power, people with money, and influence. None of us surprised by that, I'm sure. And that this has become, you know, a tool um, 
of, of some measure of, in a disturbing way, some measure of control and influence over us is, is something we need to look at carefully anyway. But I think it's important to understand that we're going to be fine, that I think water seeks its own level. I believe quality people find and seek quality people. You know, integrity, uh, is, if its integrity is important to you, you'll find that in the people that you spend your time with, um, that you um, find yourself around. And I think that's how we came together. That's how we generally have been uh, towards each other. I think ultimately it is about respect, and I think we do respect about respect each other and with an added dimension of caring about each other. And so I just really want us to be okay, not okay with the drama. You know, I always say to my clients that, you know, they really should not try to avoid drama because it's, it's so much a part of our lives. The key is learn how to manage it. And, you know, we've, we've got these things that are happening, people who want to um, really create uh, create drama, create this, this, this atmosphere that we're all kind of caught up in. And I think it's important for us to recognize that there's certainly a significant level of manipulation going on here. So I, I will also say I don't mind being manipulated, just don't think I'm stupid. Everybody gets manipulated. Just don't think I don't know what you're doing, you know. And so in this instance, I'm not really overly concerned about, I would certainly be disturbed if, if this if this app was to collapse and, and, and I was, you know, um, unable to reach out and, 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 and be with you all. Uh, I realized that this past weekend when... I did feel an urge to kind of be able to sit in rooms and just sit down and listen to folks. And, and it felt, if I did feel compelled to be able to, you know, to speak and so on. And I didn't realize how much I'd come to appreciate that. I thought I did. Intellectually, I think I did. But I was able to really feel it this week. And I think that was because I was getting these messages, DMs and things from people were anxious about all that was going on and wanted to stay in touch and, and all those things and was concerned that we would not be able to do that. And I realized uh, how significant these relationships have become. And then yesterday I was in a, in, in a space where, you know, we were talking about, uh, you know, the, the holidays. And, and one of the things that came up was, you know, depression, you know, uh, Bobby brought up talking about the mental health, actually, is what Bobby brought up. And it was a really timely discussion. And in the midst of that discussion, we, you know, a couple of people came up and talked about that it's really important for people to know that not everybody is happy about the holidays. Not everybody is excited about going into the holidays. Um, there are many people amongst us who the holidays don't don't represent, you know, good times. And just to be aware of them, and one of the things that came out of it that was really important to remember um, is that, you know, we all, we hear all the time people go, well, this is, 
it's just an app. You know, it ain't real life. Twitter's not real life. It's not, you know, it ain't all that, you know, the whole bit. We hear that all the time. And then you hear someone say, and I've heard it several times over the last week, for how important this relation, these these discussions are to them. Because they are alone. Because they are, they do feel, you know, detached. And they, they, this is not a good time for them. And being able to reach into these rooms and listen to people and just sit down and ear hustle brings them some, 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 um, uh, a bit of, um, comfort, uh, in, in knowing that there are genuine people, uh, in some of these spaces, um, particularly many of the spaces that we frequent that they can talk to and share with and so on is, is really important to them. So I, I just want us to, put in perspective the idea that, uh, yeah, it's just an app. But for many of us, it's more than that. And um, it's what it brings to us, what it offers to many of the folks that we think about, care about, engage, and so on, is, is, is something quite substantive. And, and I just want us to just be aware of that. If you have some neighbors or friends that you know goes through this difficult period, that get quiet during this period, then reach out to them. Um, we appreciate that. And of course, I think that this promptly manifested itself in a different way because of the suicide by the young 40-year-old you know, dancer Twitch. Um, and I think that really hit a lot of people hard um, because that's not how he presented. And it reminded me of one of my my best friends in college who took his life. Um, who you, before I understood suicide um, and the ideations and all of those things, I didn't realize how much pressure and things he was under and he took his life. Um, so I'm asking you all to just be aware that I don't want to be a downer, but just everybody's not having a great time and everybody, you may be feeling pressure about finding gifts or whatever it is. But there's other kinds of pressure that people are under um, that we just want to be mindful of, you know. Um, and I think it does something to our spirits when we are able to truly share um, with others uh, and be um, of help and support and so on to others. So, so thank you all, you know, for being a part of my life this past year, for all the lessons I've learned from you, the, the, the three notebooks of of notes that I've taken and, and, and uh, information that I otherwise wouldn't have. Thank you all for being such wonderful companions uh, on this on this uh, on this app, introducing the people to me, people like Dee, like Dr. Marshall, like Soul Sister, you know, like Ali, you know, people who I've spent a lot of time with, you know. Um, in a very interesting way. I mean, I would never, I mean, you know, I just didn't see this coming. So I'm grateful, you know, for, for all of the contact with, with Graham and, and Shauna and, you know, Sean, and, you know, you know, Dawn, who probably is one of the main reasons I'm still here. Um, you know, I'm really grateful to all of you. And I really want to wish you all uh, you know, uh, a joyous holiday season, um, and, and 
I I hope and pray I'll be able to see you, talk to you beforehand. But if not, a very, 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 you know, happy new year. You know, so thank you all for being here. Thank you, D, for giving me uh, such a important role that I that I've learned to appreciate even more so as time has gone by. Um, and, 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 of course, you and, you and of course, Eugene. And, and thank you all for just being here. So, again, take care, everyone. And I look forward to, to talking to you, engaging you all in the coming uh, days and months. Well, thank you so much, um, Khalil, for those um, beautiful words. And um, you're so right. I, I've mentioned this um, to many people that I've talked to that the holidays bring up um, a lot of um, anxiety for people in, in many ways, uh, people who have lost loved ones, um, maybe experiencing the first holiday without them or just holiday memories flood in. Um, so, um, you know, this app has been good for that, for that social interaction and, you know, I hope that we all continue to use it for as long as it's available to us and to do the things we need to do to try to find other ways, knowing that the um, owner and the hands that are, that are, you know, that it's in right now are kind of um, unstable. So it, um, you know, you just don't know. Um, what to expect. So let's not put all of our eggs in one basket on that one. But I wanted to read a couple, one is a couple of holiday quotes and it made me think about, I thought about this, Khalil, when you was reading it. This is a Charlie Brown Christmas quote. Nobody sends me a Christmas card today. Nobody sent me a Christmas card today. I almost wish there wasn't a holiday season. I know nobody likes me. Why do we have to have a holiday season to emphasize it? So Charlie Brown stuff always makes me laugh. <laughs> so um, just, you know, just the thought, you know, just something funny that it's not great for everyone. And um, and every moment isn't great. And like I said, just reach out to um, people that you can and have that um, in mind, be kind. And I think that in this community, we understand that and we are kind. That's why I like you guys. And um I'm, you know, it's one of the blessings of this entire year for me is to have uh, really found a virtual community that I can relate to in so many beautiful, um, important ways, certainly in our fight for democracy, but just in our human spirits, you know, connecting with people. So I want to thank you for that, Khalil. And uh, um. Diva Divinity has come up, and I want to give her an opportunity. I know she rarely has an opportunity to come up and speak when uh, we're here. So welcome. I'm glad you came in to join us today and give you an opportunity to you know, share with us before we close out today. Thank you so much, and good afternoon, and um, happy holiday to everybody on the call. Um I really appreciate these spaces and I, I haven't been on in a while. I've um, been very busy with work, um, things ending up um, towards the end of the year. And now I'm on vacation until January. So I'm so happy. Um, I was on, and I want to say this 
the reason why I raised my hand was, was Mr. Khalil. He is so wonderful. But that, what he just said about being thankful, about being gracious, um, just touched me. Because I need that good angel on my shoulder telling me that, that sort of thing. And my younger daughter is that person in my actual life who, who brings me down and, and says, wait a minute, just let's think about how we're going to act on this and how we are going, because I, I definitely do have a temper. And I was on a space um, day before yesterday on Saturday. Oh, no, I'm sorry. It was Friday night. I was pulled in. I saw that space come up because someone who I follow um, seemed like a, uh, a liberal person, but I'm think I'm, I'm still judging that I'm still taking a look at that person because on this space, it was basically a Elon bro, um, meeting and they were all discussing how wonderful he was and so on and so forth. And they actually had Sebastian Gorka on that space. And I, I mean, my jaw was on the floor and my blood pressure was going up and I was thinking about ways that I could make a comment on that space. And you think about that. And I, I, I did not do anything because I didn't want to bring that smoke down on myself. And I definitely did not want anybody to see who I followed, who was following me and bring that smoke possibly on them. So I kept quiet, didn't listen, got off the space and was shaking my head. Next day, another space, same folks. So I said, well, let me see what happens with this. And this was once again, them talking about how uh, Elon's idea of, um, you know, how, how he was doxxed and things like that. And they were discussing that. And there were a couple of folks who brought up good points against Elon's thoughts and they were discussing the legal without any kind yeah. of Yeah. Well, let's not do too much of him in this space because he's I'm a pretty I'm so sorry. I'm no, so it's sorry. okay. It's, but he's pretty I'm erratic. Sorry. It's okay. Yeah. I just don't want the man's erratic and I don't no, want No, no, I know. His, I know. His I know. name, but, you know, really Yes. I understand. Go ahead and tell your story but keep that in mind if yes. you will. Okay. okay. So thank you thank you for cutting me there. And then so the next day, Sunday, yesterday, I, another space, same folks, but this time they were crying because they were, they had heard the news that Elon was possibly going to be stepping down. So having come through that whole full circle and realizing how wonderful it is to be able to talk to people who have their, their feet on the ground and their heads in reality is absolutely wonderful. And even you pulling me back from everything that I'm talking about is still, I still totally understand that. And it is wonderful. So better angels. <laughs> thank yes. you so much. Well, and thank yes, you. Lots to be thankful for at the end of this year. Absolutely. We had a fabulous election this year. We didn't get everything that we wanted, but our work gave us a lot. And so we know we learned that our work uh, makes a difference. Our conversations inspire people. Um, and I feel like we have helped to get a lot of citizens actively engaged. And I want us to keep 
using that civic engagement muscle because it's going to take all of us, every last one of us, to do the work to save our democracy. And, and like you said, just in a course of a few days, you saw chaos come full circle to end up kind of like nowhere. You know, watch your energy and who's zapping your energy in doing things like that. We have to be very focused because we have no control over what happens or doesn't with this app. As I have said before, I will use it until it evaporates. <laughs> you know, I'm going to use it, um, but know that it could disappear at any moment. Um, and um, so that episode on Friday, you know, I think showed us all that, but I think that we are also so resilient and we have seen the evidence of our work and our efforts and none of us are, are willing to, you know, let that die um, easily. And there are just many others. This is, this is but one app that we have found to make very effective. We're pretty um, ingenious kind of people. And um, what is it? Um, Necessity is the mother of invention. So I feel like um, there was a lot of necessity put out <laughs> into the ether by some of his antics over the weekend. So I do believe that inventions have, you know, revved up. Some that were already in place are now speeding up and they will continue because we understand the work that we must do. I'm not sure um, what his um, goals and, and, and many like him are. But again, like I say, they do not point to a healthy, thriving democracy. They, they point to, you know, the exercising of egos in various different ways. And I feel like we're at a time when a lot of these egos are going to be clashing. I don't want to be collateral damage. Um, I just want to keep, um, keep doing the work that I need to do because I do under, I have come to understand that, you know, while I've always talked about politics and things that we are in um, the state um, in our democracy where, you know, we can no longer talk about it. We must be about it. We must continue to be about it. I think about the words that Mark Elias said that um, we have to be as um, <clears throat> determined um, to uh, save our democracy as they are to destroy it. And those words continue to ring with me and we have to continue doing that work because a lot of energy can be wasted on, you know, shiny chaos objects, you know, sometimes within our own community. Like I said, just stay focused, recognize what you're here for and where you spend your energy and be kind to one another, especially, you know, as Khalil and I um, understand a lot about the the issues in the mental health um community and, and spoke with a friend about it. And, and of all the things that um, I felt uh, when that happened this weekend, that was the one that resonated with me most. I felt that it was cruel kind of to do it at this time of the year to people who may not even have any interest whatsoever in talking politics, but have a way, a great little tool to reach out and find social connection. I think about the people that I connected with and the period that I connected with them before I actually found this community. This is back in the summer, it wasn't a great time. And um, 
it was enough of a human social interaction and connection that I made with people that really, you know, um, I feel like um, helped to ground me and to make me feel not so crazy, not so alone. And um, that's why they call them, you know, social media tools. And it's all about, you know, like any tool, money, whatever, it's how you use it. And we just have to continue to watch how we use it, how others use it, and, you know, to try to be aware of that and all of our interactions. But I'm glad that it came back so quickly um, because that to me was the cruelest of all of, uh, of everything that he did. The fact that this is uh, a really tough time of year for a lot of people that we have already had high profile people. God knows about the ones who, you know, are not high profile that this is happening to and families that may be affected by it. So, you know, if um, this little bird app can help to ease someone's um, burdens in mind and give them a sense of connection and belonging, then, um, I'm glad it's here and I want us to continue to use it in that way for those things as well. So like I said, just continue to be kind and thank you for coming in, stopping in and coming up to join us. And I want to thank everyone who has uh, joined us today, whether you've been here for the entire time or just a short time, it's been wonderful. And I want to leave you with some of our you know, usual readings, I think it's a good time to remind people that uh, just look at the things that are happening around us and recognize that it is a push toward authoritarianism. It's certainly here in our country, but it's not just our country alone. This is a global um, uh, danger that we face. And when one fails in one place, it makes it harder for uh, others in another place. So, you know, us holding on our, to our democracy is important for other Western democracies. Ukraine holding on to theirs is important for us. Uh, we're all connected because we are global now. We're global citizens. And um, we should all be able to, you know, live uh, and thrive in our different, you know, countries and, and governments um, that are supposed to be democratic uh, in nature to be able to enjoy the full um, benefits, reap those benefits of that democratic, um, you know, ideal. And I want us to remember that there was a time in Germany, a country that I spent a decade in, where, you know, these things were happening and people were not paying attention or some people were complicit because you know, the things that were going on were not affecting them directly, but eventually they will. And that's why I read this poem from Martin Niemöller, who was a prominent Lutheran pastor in Germany. And in the early 1920s and 30s, he sympathized with the Nazi ideas and supported, you know, a lot of the right wing political movement. But when um, Hitler actually came to power in 1933, um, he started to, you know, of course, become more um, dangerous um, and evil, and he started to speak out. And once he did, um, he, he uh, Martin Neil Moeller started to speak out when he stepped on his toes, which was um, he started interfering in the Protestant church, and he spoke out against it, and he was jailed for it. Um, he spent the last eight years of his of Nazi rule in jail from 1937 to 1945. Um, 
And this is where this quote that I read comes from, that experience and that behavior. So I read it so that, like I said, we can all be aware and know that just because we may not be affected or being targeted at this moment, um, when others are being targeted, their freedoms are being taken away or, you know, denied, challenged um, in any way, um, there is a threat uh, to all of us. So in the words of Martin Nia Muller, First, they came for the socialist, and I did not speak out because I was not a socialist. Then they came for the trade unionist, and I did not speak out because I was not a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews, and I did not speak out because I was not a Jew. Then they came for me, and there was no one left to speak for me. And um, when all of that happened this weekend, of course, that quote came to mind again. And we can interchange uh, the words socialists, trade unionists, and Jews with um, the libs. First, they came for the libs. And then, you know, they come for, you know, the gays, uh, the LGBT community. Um, and um, then they came for the journalists. Eventually, the point is, eventually, they will get to you. So it's important the best time to fight for your democracy is while you still have one, because once it goes authoritarian, it is so very hard to get it back. And I do not want to um, see that happen to us. Um, I think we have a few Latin American countries, one which now is still kind of on the brink of um, saving themselves from a coup um, down there in Peru. They had... Um, a period where they had a uh, author an authoritarian um, takeover, a dictatorship, and it took them 10 years to get out of it. And now that they're out of it, they, they have still, since coming out of it, gone through seven presidents. It matters. It doesn't, you know, when you break that kind of system, it is not one that is easily put back together. While the one that we have is not perfect, it is still together. Let's not let let us let not them uh, let them break it. So um, I want to leave you with these words from the late great representative John Lewis, whose stamp I can't wait to get. Um, he penned these. Uh, he tweeted this in um, June 27th, uh, 2018, and I made it my pen tweet. Do not get lost in a sea of despair. Be hopeful be optimistic. Our struggle is not the struggle of a day, a week, a month, or a year. It is the struggle of a lifetime. Never ever be afraid to make some noise and get in good trouble, necessary trouble. So I just want to thank you guys for coming here and joining us in Democracy First, Monday through Friday, making um, noise good trouble. I know that, you know, you come in here, we have great conversation in these spaces, but when um, it's time, you also go out in real life and do uh, the work that is necessary. And I just want to thank you all for that. And again, thank you for just the opportunity of getting to know you and having such wonderful conversations and opportunity to work alongside you um, and some pretty important work. And just leave you with, you know, the warmest of holiday wishes and remind you that the gift of time and love are surely the basic ingredients of a 
lovely, um, happy holiday season. So uh, be kind to one another, be kind to yourself. And um, I hope to see you back here after the holidays. Um, and um, we'll start our conversation again. Like I said, we're going to keep going here for as long as it's here. Um, we'll keep you posted on uh, the other areas that we're working in and working on. And um, I surely am. And I know many in this community are. So I'm just going to leave it there and say thanks again for joining us. And I look forward to seeing you again after um, the upcoming holiday season and continuing to see you out here in these Twitter spaces and streets um, and Democracy First, um, which is Monday through Friday at 1.30 p.m. Eastern Time. We appreciate you. Eugene will be hosting Tuesdays through Friday. I've already, you know, taken steps after the election to protect my peace and, um, you know, just... Um, change up um, the things that I'm working on, but um, ultimately the goal is the same. So I want to uh, thank all of you and leave you with peace and blessings. Mm -hmm.